Hey, this is Kevin Kelly. Get ready for the latest episode of the Starimcast. Guys, and welcome to the Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things World Wonder Ring Stardom. I'm your host, Rob Goodwin, and I'm joined by the man who was late for the podcast because he was he was chewing some nuts. According to him, it's Matt Turner. Matt Turner, how are you? First of all, folks, let's not let's not be lying to the friends and family of the Stardom Cast. You have texted me <laughs> earlier saying that you. We're going to be a half an hour later or so for the podcast so you can get everything caught up. And as usual, I said, no problem, brother. That's fine. Appreciate the heads up. And then Rob does the usual. I'll be on in five minutes. And then 15 minutes later, he pops on. So Whoa. I was just getting, uh, yes, maybe, yes. Shooting so, on me, yes, bro. Man. What the hell is this? What you, happened to hey, KV, brother? You started this, my man. You started this. <laughs> I'm just, you know, you're just trying to, you're trying to spin your own story over here, my man. Trying to, trying to put the heat on me, brother. But I've got to make myself feel you... better. <laughs> you didn't have to even say anything, my man. You didn't have to say anything. <laughs> but, uh, Anywho, my man, I am fantastic. How's everything with you, good sir? Yeah, not too bad at all. Um, obviously, this comes out um, on Thursday for our lovely patrons, uh, on Friday for our lovely listeners over on the free feed, and Five Star Fever really has taken the stardom world by storm, especially now that we are right in the midst one more night of the tournament. One more night. One more night. And they're honestly considering Stardom have had pretty much every curveball they could possibly have being thrown at them. Um, We have gotten to this final night with two very, very compelling blocks. Now, today, we are going to be talking about the show from the 18th, which is night 19, I believe. Yep. So we've got 1819, which is confusingly on the 20th of September, and then <laughs> night 20, which was on the 23rd. Now, spoilers. Because the final is next week, and myself and Matt, obviously, we've got that podcast to do. We'll be reviewing that for you on Tuesday. That'll be dropping early because we've also got the Jesse interview dropping next week. I am going to talk about the show that's not up yet, the 24th, just the one result from the five-star because it plays into the preview of the final. Now, understandably, if you don't want to listen to that bit because, obviously, you haven't seen that show yet and you want to wait... I don't blame you in the slightest, just I'll give you a heads up when we get to that part of the podcast and you can mute us or skip ahead to our uh, to our final day preview or whatever. Come back to it at a later date. Um, but 
ordinarily I wouldn't want to do that because I don't want to ruin it or deliver spoilers for people. But I think because it is, it does impact so much on that final night. I think it is important that we talk about it, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. I know there was only one match and I didn't see the result. And I was going to ask you if we can kind of go over the results. So this way I kind of, I can give my best effort, sir, as uh, one of the top two co-hosts of this podcast on to kind of having an idea of what I think is going to happen going into the final. Now, before I forget, Rob Goodwin, I was reading over my notes last night and me and Amber going into the final, we are separated by one point. I think it's separated. I was like, Jesus, the tension in the Turner household. (laughs) No, I mean, well, it could be. My wife is very competitive, especially over a company. She (laughs) rarely watches matches or she's very competitive. But no, uh, I am. I, I pulled ahead the last week by two points, but this past weekend uh, she closed the gap. So I am leading for the first time in this tournament by one point. And considering the fact that my final was Utami defeating Saya Kamatani in the finals, no points can be given there. And Amber's final was Hazuki beating Azumi in the finals. No points can be given there. So it will all come down to and who picks these final handful of matches right. So, uh, Yes, maybe when we come on next week, there may be a separation in the Turner household. I don't know. She is very competitive. Literally, that's the only time I ever kind of root for me to lose because uh, she's happy. I'm happy, bro. And it's regardless, I'm watching Stardom. And then the very next day, I'm watching a loaded AEW pay-per-view. So I'm going to be happy regardless. Absolutely. And then if you think about the fact that we have got the 10th anniversary, Azumi's, sorry, 10th anniversary match that's going to be taking place on the October 1st Corican show, that's a loaded card. We've obviously got a championship match being made official for that, even if it is just a little smidgen out of the blue, but nevertheless, um, we've then got the Nagoya Golden Fight pay-per-view that's coming up on the 9th of October. Like I said before, we've got our Jesse interview, which is going to be dropping next weekend. Last chance to get your questions in, Matt Turner. It feels like we simply do not stop. No, not at all. And I just texted you earlier today that uh, we got requested to go on a uh, wrestling podcast as they want to spotlight stardom. They said, who better to spotlight stardom have on than one Matt Turner and Rob Goodwin? So uh, I said, well, you know, we will have to figure that out at a later date <laughs> and a later time because just I think obviously you are because you're in British Standard Time. So you're five hours ahead of me on the East Coast. And I think the podcast that does it, I think they're in the central. So they're an hour ahead there. So we have to get the date down, the time down with the time zone down. So, yeah, we do not stop. We love every single second of it, my man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let's dive straight into it because as i've said we've got so many things we need to talk about today matt what is coming up on our patreon well if you want to see matt turner cry on camera by all means go and watch our queen's quest versus a wet tie steel cage uh match from earlier this year as uh for the fourth time in a row or every time it's a hundred percent that uh every time i watch this match i cry towards the end if you haven't seen this match if you have seen this match you know why if you haven't uh it is an absolute gem of the gem of a match one of the best stardom matches one of the best matches in wrestling i've seen all year so that is in your patreon feed fingers crossed next week uh we will have the alternate commentary of utami versus hazuki for the world of stardom championship uh rob and i just a, a quick little behind the door preview folks rob and i tried to record this uh episode last night and we were on for a little over an hour and it just the the the, the wi-fi feed unfortunately kept going in and out and rob made the 
fantastic decision saying that I cannot give a half-assed product to any of the listeners of the Stardom cast, and I totally agreed. Uh, we, don't want, we do not want to give anything less than an A++ uh, effort uh, and product for the fantastic friends and family of the Stardom cast. So fingers crossed we will try to record that tomorrow, meaning Thursday, so it'll be up on the Patreon feed for Monday and Tuesday. Also, what is on your Patreon feed is an episode that we did that we're getting a lot of really rave reviews for, and that was our monthly What If. What if Arisa Hoshinki did not get injured in 2020 and she didn't retire and she was able to keep her stardom run? So Rob and I did our fantasy booking there, and we've got nothing but great feedback for that as well. And then um, by the time this drops, the Izumi High Speed Championship run, that should be in your Patreon feeds. And also, we also recorded... And it'll be up, I believe, this weekend, Rog. Correct me if I'm wrong. The roundtable discussion, top five Wonder of Stardom championship matches. It will be. It's going to be up on Sunday, 5 o'clock British Standard Time, 5 o'clock in the morning. Um, it was an absolute blast to do it. And obviously, we wanted to do it with our wonderful Red, red Belt patron, uh, Beardface Killer. But unfortunately, he's on vacation. Hope you're having a lovely time, buddy. Um so he sent his picks in, um, and we sort of just had a lovely discussion about how blessed we have been to uh, have such a great, you know, series of matches for this belt. That condensing it down into five really was quite difficult, man. A lot more, a lot more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, really. And what's the again? What's the best thing about these roundtable discussions is there's no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer. I knew there was a couple that would overlap. You know, we have 15 choices between three different. Uh, wrestling fans here we had a few overlaps and then we had ones that were like "Ooh, i should have put that one on or "Ooh, you know if this was a top six or top seven i would have put that on but it made for a really interesting discussion and we're able to delve back into some of the uh i want to say earlier years of stardom but kind of rewind the clock four or five years which we know we have a lot of our listeners and a lot of our patreon listeners have only really gone back to like 2021 up until current day stardom so a lot of recommendations from stuff from 2018 and 2019 as well Absolutely. And we could have gone back further. I mean, Kyrie's run we didn't even touch on. Um, and there's some fantastic matches in the Kyrie run, the Konami match. So I've taken a massive gulp of water in my body, apparently, forgot how to swallow. Um <laughs> so you know, there's loads of stuff from we didn't touch on the EO run, so you know, there's loads and loads of stuff that uh, we haven't touched, but hopefully there is enough there that uh, you can sort of go and check those out at your leisure. Just want to give a huge shout out to Brad Rater, who I didn't realize was actually Big Beard Booty Daddy on Twitter, which aside from being a fantastic name, um, it, I've, I've interacted with him loads on Twitter. So um, hello and welcome to uh, the Stardom Cast Extra, the Patreon family. Brad, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, I just want to briefly... Matt, talk about the Arissa episode, the what ifs. Now, as you know, and as people who have heard the episodes know, they are one of my favorite episodes to do, one of my favorite types of episode to do the fancy booking thing. And at the end of each episode that we do, we say, oh, leave us some ideas um, of things that you would like to hear. And people do. And it's really great to see, really good to uh, check out what sort of things you want us to do. But one really caught my eye, and it is from a good friend of the show, Steve Kaklamanos. And this what if tickled me to the point where I was like, we have to do this. We have to do this. And so let me read you his little pitch. So 
What if Matt Turner and Andy Hedder had been born Matt Ilda Turner and Andrea Hedder? That's right, they were born girls and grew up to be top guysians in stardom. Same moves, same wrestling techniques and styles. So the question is, how would you book their run in this year's Tag League? And yes, win or lose, they have to make the final. Now, I don't know about you, Matt, but I'd be buzzing to do this. I tell you what, here's the deal. Andy Hedder, who, uh, my, you know, my tag partner, one of my best friends, he recently got into stardom due to one Mariah May. Mariah May caught his eye and was like, who is this? Saw that she wrestled for stardom. I got a quick text and was like, hey, keep me up to speed. So I sent him some YouTube stuff, you know, like the We Are Stardom uh, YouTube stuff. And then he's like, this is Zumi. Wow, fantastic. I heard about Julia. Oh, this is the Maya you've been talking about? And fell right down the rabbit hole. I will be spending uh, two weeks... I'm going to New York Comic Con, which uh, we'll be spending four days together, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So I will pitch this to him. We will talk about it. He wants to come on the show. He's like, hey, if I can get more into stardom, can I come on the show just for a special interview or anything? I'm like, absolutely, of course. So maybe our what if for November can be this. What do you think, my friend? Absolutely. I am very excited for that. And obviously, I, I knew it couldn't be October because we've got um, what if um, Kyrie wasn't leaving um, or what if what something about Kyrie's 2022 coming on, which I'm thoroughly excited for. Loads of good ideas for that. But uh, yeah, I just thought that was that was a little bit too good to, uh, to pass up. So Steve, hopefully we'll be doing that. And uh, Matt, what wonderful way to transition into the news. I was going to start with uh, the news on you, Tommy, but seeing as you were bringing up Mariah May, I feel like it's only right to transition a little bit into this. And this is a little snippet from the Wrestling Observer Radio, which you kindly sent me. Um, There's been a lot of rumours that Mariah May is wrapping up her time with stardom, um, stoked stoked by the fact that Mariah May's pretty much said, I'm wrapping up my time with stardom. Uh, we had the last tag match for Rose Gold. And we know that her last match, I believe, is the 1st of October, maybe, um, with the company. Um, she had a huge show of respect at the end of her match with Micah. And for all intents and purposes, it looks like she's on the way out. We had reports, um, I believe, from Fightful that said that she was pretty much a shoe-in for AEW. However, according to Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio, we have this being said, quote, she, Mariah May, may come back to stardom. It's not for sure that she's not coming back. She told the company that she's not going to AEW or WWE, and the door is open for her to come back if she wants to. That's the status. I think a lot of people thought she was going to AEW for sure, and she may be, but it doesn't appear for sure because she's left the door open with stardom. So aside from that last paragraph being a little bit circular and a little bit pointless, what this boils down to is that even though it seemed to be, for many people, a given that she was going to AEW or WWE, it looks like Mariah May has outright said she's not going to these companies. And the door is open to come back to stardom for other tours in the future. Now, for me personally, and I know we've talked about this many, many, many times on the podcast about how, you know, people haven't really got past the fact that she is a good looking woman to the fact that she is a very good wrestler and has improved exponentially in the nine months she's been with the company. Um, This is a huge thing 
for the company. I think this is brilliant stuff because, as you've mentioned, just with Andy Hedder, she brings Western eyes to the product. You know, I'm not talking millions of millions and certainly not as many as Mercedes Monet, but she does bring eyes to the company. I think she is the poster child for someone who has improved through reps in the ring with being in the ring with some of the best. I mean, you look at her five-star run this year from the start of the tournament to the end of the tournament. She has had some absolutely fantastic matches. Her match with Micah, her match with Mariah, match with Sioriano, her match with Julia, all really, really, really good matches. So if they can get, and by they I mean stardom, if they can get Mariah May to stay or to do others tours in the company that's fantastic what I did say I believe in the previous episode was about you've got to think about Mariah Mariah has been in Japan now for nine months and much as she is evidently absolutely loving it it must be quite lonely because there isn't a great deal of the talent that can speak good English. And she must feel quite isolated. So it must be incredibly difficult to love a place where you are, but not be able to converse enough with people because then you do start to feel lonely, do start to feel homesick. So maybe she's going away, doing some indie dates in the US, in the UK, in Europe, you know, all these places, and then coming back to do a stint with stardom because maybe that's what she needs. Maybe she does need to be, you know, in a place where she can converse with people because I know Mina's English is very good. I know Momokogo's is that good that she's doing English commentary. More on that later. Um, and Wacker's is pretty good as well. But other than that, I don't think generally the English is tremendous and you know they're not you know the native talent aren't going to be talking in English just you know willy-nilly backstage so I understand why she's taking a break from stardom and maybe going to other places but it's refreshing to hear her say actually no I'm not going to one of the big companies you know I'm going to come back. I want to come back. Whether she does or not, obviously, is is anybody's guess. But Matt, what what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, you can tell how much she loves stardom and just the Japanese culture. Absolutely. Uh, you just yeah, mentioned you before. Can. You, you can you just mention about how you know maybe there's some loneliness there with uh, a language barrier. You know, you have Mina Waka Momo Kogo who can speak English very very good. However, Mariah May's Japanese has gotten really, really good. And considering the fact there's a, you know, a few different di- different styles of dialect from uh, the Japanese language, it's very, very tough to learn from what I understand. I've tried to, you know, spend some time learning it. And it's just, it just, it just can't come to, but like she's done a great job learning the language and be able to communicate. I mean, obviously we'll talk about it a little bit later on, but like her introduction, like doing when she does the intros for her and Waka versus that match versus Mayu and Hana, where she makes Hana an honorary member of Club Venus. Like just hilarious. Like, you know, like the match is great, but like Mariah May is able to even like bring the fans in just on that alone. Um, well, my first thought was when, there, when she was making mention that like, yeah, this is gonna be the last Rose Gold tag match. This is gonna be the last this, the last that. I'm like, okay, she's gonna probably pop up on AWTV sometime soon. And then I read that, and again, not less Meltzer's wrong, and things can change. You know, maybe Mariah May does have a change of heart, or maybe Tony Khan or Vince McMahon puts more money into Mariah May's contract or whatever, and then she does sign. Things change all the time, but going by what was announced per the Wrestling Observer and uh, Big Dave Meltzer over there, my theory is she loves stardom so much that she can sign with an AEW and make more money than she would be in in stardom, and the WWE, more money than stardom. 
But for her, it's just not mo- about money. It's about her loving stardom, her loving Japan. My thing is that I'm going to agree with you that she's probably going to go to, you know, go back to the UK, do some indies, probably do some indies over here in the US. I mean, we've seen Yutami, we've seen Julia do some, do some stuff. I wouldn't be shocked if you see Mariah May have one of those open door contracts for Impact Wrestling. So I wouldn't be shocked if you see her some on, on some Impact shows. And Impact really has one of the best women's wrestling divisions, not just in the country, but like in the world. I mean, you have your Jordan Graces, you have your Deanna Prazos, you know, Giselle Shaz. That women's division is absolutely stacked. So, I mean, I would I would love to see like a, a Deanna Prazos versus Jordan Grace match, you know, and, and Deanna, or, uh, excuse me, Mariah May versus Jordan Grace. So maybe that's where she's going. Maybe she's like, okay, I can I can get my exposure bigger on impact and do some impact and do some, you know, US Indies, do the GCWs, maybe do, you know, some of these other Joshi American promotions that we've seen pop up in the last year or so. And then maybe, you know, come and do a dream queendom and then maybe be like a surprise entrant and the Cinderella tournament, or maybe, you know, re club rejoin club Venus for the triangle derby next year. It's all possibilities here where she has the door open and she can write her own ticket. And Rob, who knows, maybe she does this for six months, seven months, eight months, and then picks up the phone and then calls Tony Khan or calls Vince McMahon says, okay, now I'm ready, ready to go. She can write her own ticket. But you can tell how much she loves Japan, how much she loves stardom, really how much she loves Mina. I mean, you can just tell just how well they've gelled together really since day one. So uh, kudos to Mariah May. I mean, we always put her over on this podcast for her work ethic, how great she is in the ring. But the fact that she's not taking the big money contract to kind of go and do her own thing and bet on herself uh, just really just goes to show how much passion and love she has for professional wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. And most importantly, and I feel like this isn't said enough, whatever she ends up doing, I hope she's happy doing it because I think she's done tremendously well in uh, in the stint in stardom. And I hope that she's able to uh, to use that to catapult her into uh, the mainstream even more so in, uh, in West Nice because truly she has thoroughly, thoroughly deserved it. Let's talk about Utami then. Um, unfortunately, um, our fears were sort of realized when uh, the We Are Stardom Twitter account this morning announced that uh, Utami will be missing from the final um, on the 30th of September. She'll also be missing from the Corican the following night on the 1st of October um, with a cervical hernia which explains why her neck, uh, her neck, her neck sorry, was so badly taped up. Um it doesn't sound good. I did a little bit of Googling, and as anybody who's ever been ill knows, never check Google. Never check Google, because it's always the worst-case scenario. And there was wildly differing um, recovery times, so I'm not even going to bother speculating on that because it's not fair. But one thing I will say is that it's crushingly sad that Utami's uh, tournament is ending in this way. Um, and that we're being robbed of a Julia and Utami singles match, a match that we still have not seen, Matt Turner. And fingers crossed, you know, if we're to take a couple of silver linings out of this, one of which I'll talk about in a second, if another one I can take is the fact that we get to look forward to a potential Julia and Utami match and build it as this hugely special thing, then I am extremely excited by that but first things first our good wishes and prayers to go out to Utami hopefully she's going to recover quickly not require surgery and fingers crossed now for a long time because truly 
I think everyone expects her to, at some point, reclaim that red belt map. Yeah, you Tommy tweeted out about an hour or so uh, before we started recording that, you know, thank you for the well wishes, and I'm paraphrasing, thank you for the well wishes, and she'll be back better than ever. So her clear goal is to come back to the ring and come back 100%. And yeah, you mentioned that Julia match that once the blocks were announced and the cards were announced, we're like, okay, that's going to be a shootout. We've never gotten that as a singles match. We're going to get it here on the final night, probably going to decide the block winner. But again, we're going to be positive, silver lining. If they were to have that match in the state that Utami's in and supposedly the state Julia's in with that busted tailbone or whatever it is that she's she's working on, and the fact that they only have 15 minutes max to tell their story. So it's like you would literally – would the match be great? Yeah, 50% Utami, 50% Julia in a 15-minute match. Better than 99% of the wrestlers, male or female, <laughs> really anywhere out there. It's still going to be a banger. But it's like, okay, you know, we're going to get it maybe after Utami gets the, the world of stardom championship. And who knows? They, that still might be the plan. Maybe they're like, she just has to sit out four to six weeks. Maybe we'll get into it later. Maybe Mina wins the five-star and wants to go back after the white belt. And then maybe that opens the door for Utami to go after the red belt. I mean, who, who knows? Who knows? But, uh, yeah, obviously the main thing is for Utami to get better, to become back 100%. Don't rush her return. And uh, hopefully we will see her back sooner than later. But uh, And, again, kudos to stardom. The fact, Rob, that they've had to rebook this tournament not once but twice. And with supposedly two of the, you know, there was rumor that Sai was going to win the tournament. I think a lot of people pegged that Utami was going to be into the mix or going to the finals on the final night. The fact that Stardom had to rebook this tournament twice. And uh, obviously we're still a fantastic tournament. I mean, these matches we're going to talk about were absolutely mind-blowing. So considering the fact that two of their aces are gone out of this tournament and we're still getting fantastic matches and it's going to be really intriguing to see how this is going to finish very early Saturday morning, my friend. So I'm intrigued, but yes, our well wishes are out. Not not only Tommy, but for Sai Kamatani as well, because I can't wait for her to come back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And again, maybe a little, a little break will be good for uh, the recuperation. Um, Obviously, you know, I can't imagine how painful that is, but you know, a strong gust of wind causes me pain, so I can't talk. Um, something I do want to talk about is something that sort of dropped a little bit out of nowhere, um, which was the announcement of a brand new special event uh, being held by Wakasuki Armor called Moondom, um, which is going to be airing on October the 4th. Now, I don't know if where we can see this. I don't know whether it'll be on Stardom World or whether it's going to be live anywhere. I don't think it is actually going to be live. Um, but basically, there was a video on the Stardom YouTube not long ago and on their Twitter where basically Wakasukiyama was a bit down. They were asking what's up, you know, why are you so sad? And she was like, I want to, you know, I want people to experience the Japanese culture, but I don't know how to, you know, bring it to them. And then she gets this idea and, you know, she goes, I do know how to do it. I'm going to do it. And obviously Moondom is uh, is the climax of that. Um, it's a three-show, a three-match card, sorry, uh, that, like I say, is going to be aired on October the 4th. It is going to be aired with English play-by-play. That English play-by-play being provided by none other than Momo Kogo. 
which is incredibly cool. I'm uh, I'm really excited about that. Props to uh, props to Momo Kogo. Um, it does say that the English comms is only going to be in the venue, and that's the only place you can hear the English commentary. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, what is going to happen in terms of uh, in terms of this show? Whether it is going to go up on uh, on Star World or if they're going to put it on YouTube like they did with the New Blood shows. Um, but yeah, this is a really cool new direction that we're going in and trying to expose Stardom and Japanese culture to more people, Matt, more Western eyes. Yeah, I mean, anytime we get more stardom, absolutely. And I, you know, I like the the look of the show and the aesthetic of the show. And it's going to be three matches, so it's something that's not going to be, you know, like a big long four or five hour show. So it's going to be something I almost like a trial period. And then we have some outside stardom wrestlers, I believe, that are on this show. We have, uh, I think, somebody from Sendai Girls, and I think one of the girls from Colors is on there. So we're kind of mixing it up with some of the stardom wrestlers, Rob. The card looks really, really interesting. Now, did they say if they were going to add any more uh, matches or this is just going to be strict uh, three, three-match three card, buddy? It looks like it's going to be a three-match card. That card that Matt's talking about, by the way, we've got singles match, Saeeda versus Itsuki Aoki. I'm probably butchering that. Again, I apologize. Um, we have a tag team match, Wakasukiyama and Hanan taking on Yuna Mizumori and Yuko Sakurai from Colors. And then in our main event, or what I assume to be the main event, is a really good match. Amisori and Miyuki Takase taking on Micah and Haruka Umasaki, which is uh, fairly tremendous. Um, I have just realized that Waka did tweet out, in fact, yesterday, that Momokogo's English commentary is at the venue using a microphone so that's not going to be um live i don't think it also says the only way to see this show is at the venue so it does appear that this isn't going to be put to tape oh how about that there you go there you go um however i did just want to end on um a little bit of a silver lining we've obviously talked about yutami's injury the fact that this injury is going to uh is going to take her out of the five-star final. It's going to take her out of the Corican show on the 1st of October, the card of which we're going to preview at the end of this show. Um, she was scheduled to be in a one-on-one match with Azumi um, for Azumi's 10th anniversary in wrestling. Azumi is 21. That's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> um, there are so many wrestlers that don't reach a 10th anniversary and Azumi has done it by the time she's 21. It's just, it's mental. Um, but yeah, she was supposed to be uh, wrestling. You tell me, like I say, unfortunately, that's not happening. So who better to parachute in um, than Mayu Iwatani, which is a fairly decent replacement. So instead, we are getting Azumi's 10th anniversary match versus Mayu. And thank you to Monthly Puresu on Twitter who raised this. Um, this will be the first time Azumi and Mayu have faced off in singles since the 2019 Five Star. So we're talking nearly four years ago was the last time we had a singles match between two, these two. And they've only wrestled three times in singles. 2015, 2018, and 2019. So the fact that we're seeing this again, that has to be, you know, a silver lining on the bad news that we've been given, Matt. That is a wild stat. And yes, thanks to our friends over at Monthly Puro. Uh, they've always uh, been there to help us out 
and they are do fantastic content. Please, if you have not done so, go over there, give them a follow, and subscribe to their magazine subscription for those of you who still like physical media like I do because they put out some fantastic, fantastic magazine work. But uh, I didn't know that, considering the fact that Mayu's been there since day one and Izumi's been there since she was 11 years old, and you're telling me they've only had three singles matches? Like, you figured if you throw that match at a dartboard, you'll hit it more times than three times in 10 years. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, you know, Rob, I mentioned on this podcast last week how much I was really looking forward to Azumi Utami versus Momo and Starlight Kid. Obviously, we're not getting that match because of the injury done to Utami. Um, if this is the replacement, I guess I'll take it. You know, <laughs> I guess I'll take it. Oh, shucks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is the same company that gave us Utami and Azumi versus Momo. Uh, sorry, versus Mayu and Hazuki just on a random <laughs> undercard and uh, just gave them 15 minutes and went, Do you know what? Just have that. Just go for it. Um, you know, pfft. who are we to complain? So, yeah, that is certainly something to look forward to uh, at the start of Incorican 2023 show. Again, we'll be talking a little bit about that show in a bit. But before we do that, as I let a very, very soggy Fred into the living room. Um, he Rob, bit. real quick, buddy, as you're tagging your cat, and real quick, if Utami is not able to compete on the ninth which we know it's Azumi and Utami challenging uh, Natsupoi and Sayori Ano mm-hmm. for the Goddess of Stardom uh, Championship. Obviously, we don't know yet. She's They're probably going to give her maybe another test or two to see if she can compete. Who do you think should be Azumi's replacement in that match? Utami's replacement? Um, yes, yes. I feel like there's only one person that can be bought in um, to fill the grand shoes of Utami Hayashishita, and that, of course is Utamican Death, um, which will, of course, be the one of the many, many faces of Kaori Yoniyama. She'll come in, she'll do the she'll do the Red Queen entrance. Don't tell me you don't want to see that. The Red Queen entrance. Get, and it will be a fake rose that she gives to someone, and she'll still have the chain on, but she'll have, like, the Queen's Quest. She'd look brilliant um, in answer to your question. Oh, I, I, just, I just want to let everybody know, I did not prep Rob for this question at all. A lot of times we're like, <laughs> The outline, here's what we're doing. So I literally just threw that out there. And that is Rob being so witty and so funny off the cuff. But anywho, what is your real answer? I mean, I I feel like that has to be the real answer. No. Um, If they're going to do... You could go safe and just choose another person in... um... In Queen's Quest, obviously, I know that Azumi and Miyu Amasaki are O2 line. Um, they are a tag team. They're also going for the new board tag titles um, the day before um, or two days before. So, you know, you could do that. Um, really shine that spotlight on Miyu Amasaki, certainly. Um, of course, you could sort of stick Lady C in there as well. Um, you know, Lady C has been doing a stellar job, a really steady job um, in sort of Queen's Quest's mid-card, but if you wanted to go completely left field, why not stick her with Starlight Kid? Oh my. What's Starlight Kid doing on that show? That's a loaded show. I'm trying to think what Starlight Kid's doing, but oh man, I was going completely Miyu. Just for like to, you know, give her the shine, give her the spotlight. I mean, it's clearly that Miyu's going to eat the fall, which is fine. But you know, it's going to be a great match. But if we're replacing the tag match for Azumi's 10th anniversary show with Mayu, and then we don't get Utami here, and we're replacing her. Why not replace her with Starlight Kid? Wow. That is even a better pick than fucking Death coming out as Utami, buddy. Wow. You gave me two phenomenal answers there. 
I mean, it's not. Let's be honest. Fukutamic and death is one hundred percent the correct answer. <laughs> um, but like, I mean, Starling Kid isn't on the main card at all. Um, she's had let's let's face it, a woeful five star. Um, in terms of points, anyway. Um, and in terms of exposure, we've seen Azumi and Starlight Kid together as a team in the Dream Tag Festival. We know that despite the fact that they are in different factions, they are friendly, they respect each other, they are eternal foes, but they are friendly eternal foes. I'd like to see, A, them two tag again, because I think it would be fantastic, plus Azumi and Starlight Kid versus Natsupoy and Sioriano, absolutely sign me up. Plus, can you imagine the dynamic of if they won the tag titles and having one half of the Goddess of Stardom titles in Queen's Quest and the other half in a tie. I'd love to see that. I think that would be a really, really cool dynamic. I mean, you could just skate over this, have them team together for one exhibition match and have the champions retain, which is probably what's going to happen, especially as Yutami's now out of the match. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, who would you have? Would you go for Miyu Amazaki? Yeah, I would I would just easily plug Miyu in there. Again, it's going to be a phenomenal match. Miyu is improving. I mean, really, it doesn't matter who. It, it does, but it doesn't. You know what I mean. They can put anybody in there. It's going to be a great match. You have Azumi. You have uh, Natsupoy and Soriano on the other side who are clo- uh, clo- you know, co- closely coming as my favorite tag team in all of wrestling for 2023. So I thought Miyu, because, you know, O2 line, and again, Miyu's improving and improving better when she's uh, in the ring with the Zumi and they're going for the new blood tag titles. So that was the match. If Utami wasn't injured and she is able, that's a stack card, which obviously we'll preview uh, next week out of that entire card. That is the match I was looking forward to the most with Utami being injured. I figured it'd be Miyu. Uh, if that is, you know, if that again, that is the case. They didn't officially announce that she would be on or off that card yet. So if you put Miyu in, it's still going to be a great match. But man, I'm buzzing now for this opportunity with Starlight Kid. Stardom, we know you listen. We know you listen. Rob Goodwin, <laughs> this has nothing to do with me. I, I was just, yeah, my easy answer was me, you. This is all Rob Goodwin. He is printing you money here, folks. He is printing you money. If you're listening, why not go with it? Why? And again, the belts don't even have to change. I just want to see the match. Oh my goodness. And with that, we might as well kick straight into these five-star shows. Like I say, we've got three to cover before we get to the final and all the wonderful possibilities that will lead to the five-star final, which uh, I think is Matt's favourite time of the year. Um, We're going first to night 18, which is coming Stanley on the 18th of September. This was from Yamaguchi, Japan, from the KDDI Ishin Hall in front of 400 and 37 people your results are as follows tag team match opening up we had the club venus team of mariah may and waka sukiyama defeating the ueditai team of ruaka and starlight kid mariah may getting the pinfall over ruaka in nine minutes and 25 seconds with her once upon a time roll-up we then had another tag match the stars team of hanan and koguma defeating the god's eye team of mariah and saki kashima with koguma getting the pinfall with a schoolboy in 7 minutes and 40 seconds. Uh, Match 3 was a match that made me irrationally angry. Um, We had the tag team of Micah and Megan Bain getting the victory over Hanako and Saya Ida uh, in 6 minutes and 18 seconds. Why did this match make me angry, Matt? Well, because we have a rookie on that side, but they still had Saya Ida take the fall. 
um, my Micah hit, hitting the Mishinoku Driver 2 to just completely ruin my morning. Um, we then had Meiseya and Suzu Suzuki defeating Tam Nakano and Yuna Mizumori. Suzu Suzuki pinning Yuna with a tequila shot in 9 minutes and 11 seconds. Just randomly on the undercard without another tag match, the Queen's Quest team of Azumi and Uta- Utami Hayashista versus the Stars team of Hazuki and Mayu Iwatani ended in a time limit draw. Now, I'm not going to say that that could be a Goddess of Stardom tag league final and people would pay money to watch it, but that could be a Goddess of Stardom tag ta- tag tournament final and people will pay money for it, and we're getting it for free. So uh, make of that what you will. We move to the five-star Grand Prix as the red block takes a huge swift as Amisori moves to six points, defeating Natsupoi, who ends on nine um, in 10 minutes and four seconds with the like of Thunderbolt, eliminating Natsupoi in the process. Natsupoi, of course, who started like an absolute house on fire, very much emulating Hazuki in last year's tournament. And then in blue block, in your main event, Mina Shirakawa moves to eight points, defeating Momo Watanabe, who remains on eight points, in 14 minutes and seven seconds with the glamorous collection Mina. Um, Matt, before we kick into those two five-star matches and, more importantly, what it means to the wider tournament, what do you want to talk about on the undercard before you talk about Azumi and Utami taking on Hazuki and Mayu? Because we know that's what you want to talk about. I first, and I know Rob's going to back me up. I want a preference. Rob was very upset on the result on match number three. I just want to say that I, and again, I'm sure he will agree with me, love Megan Bain and Micah. I think they're fantastic. That's not the reason why he was upset. We also love Saida, who they're also pushing to have a match with Julia coming up. So that's a, you know, that's something we'll probably cover in due time. So I just want to make mention that we love Micah and Megan Bain over here on the Stardom cast. I think the reason, brother, why they had Saida get the pinfall is because this is a tag team uh, that is going to be a team in the God's Stardom tournament. So maybe they're, uh, they said, hey, we'll have Saeed take this pinfall because uh, Hanako is going to be eating about six or seven of them in the God's Stardom tournament. Um, yeah, before we get into uh, basically what I call the main event of the pre-five-star matches, Suzu Suzuki and Maysera. I mean, cheapers, creepers. These, they are so great together. They really, really are. And I know that they were teasing having Julia and Suzu be a team in the Goddess Tournament, as well as Megan Bain and May Sarah being a team in the tournament, just based on what they're doing uh, as far as like storyline goes. But you can't deny that these two are fantastic together. And on the other side, we have Tam Nakano, you know, the World of Stardom champion, and Yuna Mizumori, who's basically, in my opinion, probably the most improved wrestler in all of wrestling in the year 2023. I mean, this was a stellar match, and considering the fact it just goes off shade over nine minutes, really good stuff between the two. And again, they're kind of poking and prodding uh, for this Suzu-Suzuki-Tam match. We get a lot of teases here. We also see Tam going a little bit of high-speed stuff with Maysera. I thought this match was, was incredible, and if you do have an extra 10 minutes to spare, I would definitely recommend you see this tag match. I actually, ha- I actually had it, Rob, at three and three-fourth stars. Wow, very... I mean, to be fair, I must admit, the undercard on all three of these shows is incredibly strong. It didn't feel like... You know, you get the odd card where the undercard is... It's always good, but it's sort of fillery, if you get if you get my meaning. Whereas here, everything just seemed to be almost must-see. Everyone seemed to be bringing out an all-new level 
in some of those matches. And just to sort of piggyback on Matt's point, it's nothing to do with Micah and Megan Baines, not even to do with Zayarida. It's the fact that Hanako is a rookie and therefore she'll be legally obligated to take the pinfalls <laughs> until she is no longer a rookie. And uh, I just feel really sorry for Zayarida. However, if it is leading into a wider story, um, obviously we've got that Julian match, which seems to be sitting on the back burner. I mean, I can't complain, can I? Um, as long as she gets more exposure and we see more of Sayurida, which is absolutely what she deserves, then I have no problem whatsoever. Um, Azumi and Utami versus Suzuki and Mayu Matt. Um, did it meet, fail to meet, or exceed your expectations for how good this was? It exceeded for a couple different reasons. Number one, this was, you see, you know, Utami was really hurt. This was their last match. Like the next, uh, the next show mm-hmm. uh, was when they basically kind of sent her home. Uh, she's supposed to wrestle Mirai, which we talked about a little bit on last week's show. So when I was watching this match, I knew going in that she was injured and I knew that uh, she was taped up pretty well, which they did a great job hiding it be- uh, behind her hair. But you can see she was taped up and you're wondering how she's going to have this match. And, you know, an Azumi can do majority of the match and it's still going to be great because it's Azumi. And then on the other side, you have Mayu and Hazuki. You can see early on in the match, uh, Utami and Azumi, they do this one spot where uh, Azumi runs and uh, Utami catches her like she's going to give her a sidewalk slam. And then she spins Azumi around and she kicks her opponent. And they were just a little bit off. They were just a little bit off. And you could see Utami, the pain that she was in. Even to the point where it was just like Mayu was still being Mayu, but she was being extra careful. And then Hazuki gets in there and was like, guess what? <laughs> you know, you're in the ring. And which is, which is fine. You know, you have to understand, which is, is fine. And again, she, it, it looked that way. Again, I think one of the reasons why Hazuki's as great as she is, I know you're laughing, why she's great as she is, she looks like she's killing you in there. But obviously, she's not. That's the illusion. She's so good at her job. I'm sure some of the stuff hits pretty well. Uh, but at the same time, it's hitting hard in safe places. But there's this one point where she puts the uh, the cross face on Utami. And Azumi, just being a great tag partner, jumps on top of Utami's back. And she takes the cross face for her, knowing that she's all her neck is all injured. And I thought that was just a great little intricate part of just how fantastic Queen's Quest work as a tag team. And the fact that, okay, Uzumi's like, I'm the elder statesperson here in Queen's Quest, but Utami is my tag partner, my friend, and the leader of this faction, and she's injured. So I'm going to jump in and almost pretty much take the bullet for her, considering the fact that Hazuki was just beating the crap out of Utami prior to set up that crossface, which I thought was, again, just all these little things that add to this match that make it so much better. Um, as the match is ramping up, Utami was just like, the heck with it. I'm just going, you can see the pain she was in. She is like the sliding dropkick where she's literally just taking kind of like a half a small bump. And you can just see it in her face, just wincing in pain. But she, God bless her. She just gutted this out as if I couldn't like Utami any more than I possibly do, Rob. The fact that she went through this and was like, the heck with it. I'm going to go 100 miles an hour. I'm going to put whatever I have left in the gas tank and we'll figure out tomorrow, tomorrow to give these fans a fantastic match. Again, they could have had Azumi just do 70, 80% of the work and it would have been fine. And Azumi was great here because she's Azumi and she is. But Utami, especially those closing, you know, five or six minutes, really just got it out. I mean, she's taking her Karanas from Mayu getting spiked on her head. I mean, the finish of the match was um, she uh, she gets hit, she gets hit with the uh, Brain Buster from Hazuki, which Hazuki did a really good job turning that a little more of a snap suplex. But, uh, she, you know, she basically takes, like, a modified brain buster from Mizuki and the Moonsault towards the end of the match. So uh, she's taken some bigger bumps 
towards the end was just like, you know, the heck with it. I'm going to give these people their money's worth. I'm going to make sure that I give Mayu and Hazuki a great match. And again, Mayu and Hazuki work fantastic as a team. Azumi's fantastic as well. This was great. I knew when this match was announced, this was going to a 15-minute time limit draw. And I would want it to go to a 15-minute time limit draw so we get every ounce, you know, in this match. Uh, you mentioned before, partner, if this was the finals of the Goddess Tournament, you know, we wouldn't think twice about it. However, these two teams are not teams in the Gods of Stardom Tournament. However, silver lining, something that is possible, Futami is cleared by the ninth. And Utami and Uzumi take the tag titles. We could run this back for the Goddess of Stardom Tag Team Championship. I don't think anybody would say no to that. Can you imagine that? Like in front of a hot Cork and Hall crowd, in front of 14, 1,400, 1,500 people, uh, you know, this match on top with a 30-minute time limit. You know, yes, please. But yeah, this was great. Uh, I loved it, I mean, especially knowing how much pain Utami was in, and she still gutted everything out to give us a great match. This was fantastic. Uh, four and a quarter stars for me, partner. So let's talk then about these five-star matches because we are really starting to sort of mold the blocks now, um, sort of getting a, a clearer picture of what's going to be happening on the 30th of September by this point. Case in point, Natsupoi is the next person to be eliminated from um, Red Block, losing to Amisori. And what was... It was a good match. I think both women have had better matches in the tournament. You know, we spoke last week about how impressed I was with Amisori's run of matches. Her match with uh, Hazuki has been great. Her match with Tam was really good. Her match with Suzu Suzuki was really, really good. Um, but here I just felt like it was it was okay. Both women did what they needed to do. But otherwise, it it was it was fine. It was okay. I gave it three and a half. You know, it wasn't a bad match by any stretch of the imagination. It's Natsupoi, for God's sake. One of the best women in the world at the moment. Um, but yeah, there was just something that didn't quite click for me. And I don't know what it was, Matt. But, you know, more importantly than that, are you surprised they eliminated Natsupoi before the final? Um, obviously, we've now got four in each block. Spoilers. Um, that are sort of in line to get to the final. Are you surprised that Natsupoi isn't one of them, considering the explosive start she had to the tournament? Rob, we've got a lot to unpack here, brother. What'd you, what'd you give this? Oh, dear. I gave it three and a half. Oh, my goodness. I gave it four and a quarter. Wow. In a good, yeah. I mean, I'm like, once you said three and a half, I'm going through my notes. I'm like, did I see something that Rob didn't? But I thought this was great where they had the David and Goliath you know, uh, psychology going here. Easy story to tell. Obviously, Natsupoi does a great job getting her ass kicked, and she does here in the early Always, going. yeah. There's, there's a... And again, you can like what you like, brother. It's usually me and you are right about there about a quarter star off, and this is one of the very few times in the, uh, the, the, the near two years we've been doing this podcast that we're this far off, which is fine. But to, I just wanted to explain why I rated it as high as I did. Ami locks Natsupoi in the uh, torture rack, and Natsupoi pops out with an armbar. I thought that was really cool. And then she transitions the armbar into the triangle choke. And then how Ami gets out of the triangle ch choke, she hits the uh, Rampage Jackson uh, powerbomb. Anytime I see anybody do that, I always, uh, you know, pop for it. Um, and then Natsupoi does the super kick uh, 
uh, German suplex combination. And then Natsupoi goes for the ferial blink. This was so seamless. Again, this is another reason why I rated it so high. She goes for the ferial blink, and Naomi just stops her and just hits her with a blue thunderbomb that almost broke the ring. I thought that was great. Uh, and then Ami goes for the like a thunderbolt the first time. And Natsupoi is able to escape with the Feral Ring that got like a 2.9. And you could just see the frustration on Natsupoi thinking, I'm dodging all these big moves. I have to be able to put her away. And she thought that she was able to put her away with that. And then Ami's able to chain the big Lariat into the Twisting Brain Buster for the two count. And then finally finishes her off with it like a Thunderbolt. That's why I rated it as high as I did. Again, partner, you can, you know, it's very rare that we're that far off. But it, there's nothing wrong with your rating. Um, the fact that they eliminated Natsupoi so early, I think it's she had so many points going in. Like she was really leading the block the majority of this. And obviously we still have one more night. Um, but uh you know, I'm interested to see when we do our uh, uh review next week when we do our top five matches and our top five uh performers or wherever we expand it to ten or you know, what however we want to however we do a partner, but Natsupoi is pretty much the MVP of this tournament, either her or Shuri or, I mean, geez, Kazuki, under the lot. But anyway, um, I guess you kind of had to weed maybe her out, maybe kind of give Amisori a big win here. So the result shocked me maybe just a little, maybe not that much. But I was shocked about what happened uh, after the match, Rob. You know I'm going to get into it. You know I got to say it. Go on. We had angry we had angry bipoy. We did. We had angry bipoy to the point where I believe Rob changed his ringtone on his phone to angry bipoy. I did. I did. It just changed it to bipoy. Just really angry. I'm not going to scream it because it'll clip my mic. But <laughs> hang on. Bipoy! Um, so, yeah, that's now my message tone every time it, uh, my phone goes off. And it is already irritating, Kirsty. No end. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know... Obviously, um, Hazuki. Natsupoi's out. Mina Shirakawa defeating Momo Watanabe isn't necessarily a shock um, because I think in the absence of Utami, in the absence of Sai, I think people have now got Mina pegged as uh, a potential winner of the tournament. And good God, we taught, I spoke last week um, about how Mina has become a main event star. She now oozes that main event vibe. And now here against Momo, I thought she did the exact same. She took an absolute pasting at the hands of Momo. Momo, who, by the way, has had a properly underrated tournament and, in my opinion, is doing her best work since joining Oeratai. Um But here, Mina took a beating tried to take those chances and those snippets of offense that she could, tried to target Momo's legs and then getting the win with the glamorous collection. Mina makes perfect sense. She hasn't got the strength or the energy to pull off the figure four driver Mina or anything like that. And then, of course, that shot of the blood pouring down Mina's face as she's crying in pain at some of these holds and some of these moves and being blitzed with this, that, and everything... Honestly, I thought this was a fantastic performance from Mina. I thought it was a fantastic heel performance from Momo, who here felt almost insurmountable. And it's felt like a long time since Momo has felt like such a commanding presence in the ring. She's phenomenal in ring, always has been. That's not my point. Here, she felt like a mega boss that needs to be defeated. And it's a while since she's had that presence in the ring, and I feel like at the moment, yeah, she's out of the tournament. 
But ultimately, I think she's done a lot more for the way she's wrestling and the way people look at her because of the way she's wrestled, because of the matches she's put on Matt. Yeah, you know, I just rattled off a couple names for MVP, and I'm looking at these two. I mean, you could put Mean and Momo in there as well. And I totally agree with you that Momo has been doing her, this is her best work, you know, since she's joined Oedo Tai. And again, that's to be considered. You know, you go to Oedo Tai, you're changing up your style. You're being more of a heel, heel style, where Momo was the cl- commanding leader of Queen's Quest for the better part of three years. And she's able to, especially, and she did, even last year, she had a great tournament. She had great matches with Suzu Suzuki. Her match with Mina on night one, um, was really, really good. And, and they basically almost copy and paste the finish from uh, last year's five-star to this match that we're talking about with uh, Momo trying to get the baseball bat, her playing tug-of-war with the referee, and then, uh, but I think it was the wrench last year, and then Mina able to hit the glamorous sword into the glamorous collection Mina, which, hey, copy and A, get in it. You know, it worked last year, it worked again this year, where it's almost like Momo is trying to cheat too much that's taking away from her offense. But yeah, her match with Julia last year, she had a great tournament last year, and she's having a great tournament this year. And I think she's finding the proper like heel stuff mixed into what made her such a big star for stardom in 2018, 2019, and you know, 2020 and whatnot. So I think she's finally finding her proper footing, especially in the singles role. Her stuff with Starlight Kid as uh, Goddess of Stardom Tag Champs, fantastic. Her stuff with Starlight Kid and Saki Kashima as the uh, artist champs, one of the best runs as far as match quality goes, you know, for those belts in a long, long time. Where this match, uh, you know, again, you have Mina has the big entrance. You know, if you're a fan of Mina, she's got that big entrance, that big elaborate entrance. And Momo Watanabe, what does she do, Rob? She takes it away from you. Right. We're like, oh, come on. Like, what a jerk. Right. Not only that, but then she bloodies up again. If you're a Mina Shirakawa fan, it's like, you know, you're waiting for this match. You know, you're going to get stiff strikes. You know, you're going to have a great match. Momo takes away the entrance. And then what does she do right after that? She busts Mina open like two minutes in the match. And she's going after the wound, going after the wound where Mina then is trying to rally her comeback with kicks. Mina's striking game has come a long way in the last year. She throws great mid kicks. However, Momo Watanabe may have the most devastating mid-kicks in the entire business. So <laughs> Mina realizes as she's training these mid-kicks with Momo that she's not going to be able to go shot for shot. So she wisely changes up her strategy, and then instead of throwing another mid-kick, goes to Momo's knee, which plays into a lot of her strengths. And then we get to some stiff striking back and forth, some really, really good stuff. There's some great counter-wrestling from uh, from both Mina and Momo. Uh, some you know, I have some hard-hitting stuff. Momo hits the Tequila Sunrise. Mina's able to come back with a roaring elbow, spinning back fist combination. She hits the electric chair, dragon screw, leg whip, uh, into the figure four leg, leg, uh, leg lock. They're able to blind the referee that gets the bat shot to get Momo the advantage. Uh, Momo Watanabe then hits the, uh, the, the inhumane driver, the bastard driver, for a two count, which we haven't seen many people kick out of especially when Momo either does the bat shot or the tequila sunrise, then goes right into the inhumane driver. Nine and a half times out of 10, that's the finish. And I thought that was the finish here. And Mina did a great job, not only kicking out last second, but kicking out with little to no energy left. Um, Eventually she goes for the tequila sunrise again and then tries for the peach thunder. Momo Watanabe is able to roll her, excuse me, Mina Shirakawa rolls up Momo for 2.9, which is a great falsy. And then Momo pops up, hits that brutal punk kick. Uh, and then, yeah, then she goes for the uh, the bat, and then that is basically the downfall of Momo. It's almost like she's throwing everything at Mina. You know, I jumped Mina. I got her bloody early on in the match. I'm hitting her with all my big moves. However, I can't put her away, so Momo has to go into the heel bag of tricks 
which we never saw her do back in 2018-2019, Rob, when she had that legendary Wonder of Stardom Championship run, and ultimately that is her downfall, which is great psychology because you saw the heel cheat in the beginning, you saw her bloody up, you know, the, the white meat baby face in the beginning, you saw her hit everything, they're going back and forth, and then she tries to heat it, cheat in the end, but ultimately the good guy, or in this case the good girl, winds up winning, good over Trump's evil, great match, great psychology, I had this at four and a half stars. And Rob, before I ask you for your star rating, is Mina Shirakawa the best post-match promo in stardom? Because obviously we talked at length when she got injured in that match with Sai Kamatani last November. But then at this one, just showing her passion, and then she's bleeding. And the fact that she's basically saying that she's going to win the five-star, I am all in on Mina Shirakawa holding up that crown on Saturday morning, my friend. I think she's certainly the most emotional promo you feel that she means every single word and that's so important for a promo you know even though we can't understand the promos there are there are certain promos that you just feel so you know you mentioned that one after Hiroshima where Mina was injured and she's crying through this mouthful of broken teeth and blood and she's talking about how everything she wants is just out of reach beautiful babyface promo and then she cuts this one this aggressively ambitious promo about how she's going to win the five star and you believe her so from that point of view i think there are very few that can captivate a room on the microphone like mina and i said on our um patreon exclusive episode last night that there are nobody does emotion like tam nakano I feel like Mina's probably getting there. And I feel like if Mina wins the tournament and then takes the red belt from Tam in that match at Dream Queendom, I feel like we are getting a... I think we're probably getting a a change in the guard when it comes to the most emotional. However, deadpan promos, Julia, without a shadow of a doubt, because her promo or that exchange after the Azumi match brilliant absolutely brilliant just got no idea what has happened and then Ami Sori cha- challenges her for the strong belt and she's got no idea why and she's like what is happening you you've had a terrible tournament why are you challenging me and then I, we'll talk about it when we get to that night because honestly just that entire promo section made me laugh um I gave it four and a half as well Matt it is one of my matches of the tournament and a little bit of a spoiler, it's not even my highest rated Mina Shirakawa match of the two nights. Oh boy, I th- I forget what I rated the other one, my man, but I'm excited to get there with you, brother. Let's do a podcast about it. Do you like, know what? Right now. Shall we review <laughs> Let's review it. Let's do it now. Um, let's move on to <laughs> night 19 then. This was confusingly, as I mentioned, from the 20th um, <laughs> in uh, in Osaka, Eddie and Arena Osaka 2 uh, in front of 489 people um and your results are as follows in a four-way match mirai defeats amisori saki kashima and yuna mizumori pinning yuna with the lariat um we then had a six-woman tag match the stars team of hanan maiwa watani and saya ida defeating the club venus team of mina shirakawa and wakasukiyama and hanako 
with Sai... No, I'm joking. Mayu Iwatani getting the <laughs> pinfall over Hanako with the moonsault. Um, Six-woman tag action followed that as well with the team of Megan Bain, Mei Seira, and Suzu Suzuki defeating the Iweratai team of Momo Watanabe, Natsu Katora, and Ruaka with Megan Bain pinning Ruaka in 7 minutes and 38 seconds with the choke bomb. We then get a run of three... Um, five-star matches. Blue Block sees Micah move to nine points, defeating Mariah May, who stays on six points in eight minutes and 55 seconds, with the Michinoku driver two. Um, in Blue Block, history is made, Matt Turner. Azumi moves to eight points, defeating Julia in nine points in 55 seconds. Now, we knew that Azumi was good for a spoiler or two. Um, and I think at one point, one of us may have pegged that Azumi would beat Julia. We certainly did not foresee that she was going to pin Julia, who so rarely gets pinned in less than one minute. And I think in the process is one of the, if not the shortest match in five-star history. I think, what, how long was Azumi and Saki from last year? It was definitely shorter, because like I said, I literally, I remember writing my notes down, Azumi has new gear for her birthday, and I That's looked up right, and yeah. happened. Yeah, so I, I, know, I yeah, think that I mean, was 30, wasn't it? <laughs> um, something like that, yeah. But Azumi has now been part of the two shortest matches in uh, in five-star history, which is quite a cool ch- little, uh, quite a cool little tidbit. And then in our main event, a true main event in red block with Tam Nakano moving to 11 points, defeating Suri, who stays on nine points in 13 minutes and 20 seconds with the violet screwdriver. Um, Matt, do you want to talk a little bit about the undercard or shall we kick straight into these five-star matches? I just want to talk about on match two. Uh, again, the undercard, it's it's stardom. Everybody's great. Um, but I do want to make mention Mayu and Minas, their exchanges. And I don't know if they've ever, well, I, I don't think they've ever had a proper singles match or even considering the last year or so with Mina really extending as well as she has. Um, you want to get Mina over as World of Stardom champion if that's the route they're going for in 2024. Either have her beat Mayu or do a uh, a match where they go to a 30-minute time limit, Rob, because their exchanges, they're only in the ring maybe about a minute and a half here, Rob. But I was like, ooh, that Mina-Mayu match is somewhere that I would love to see them somewhere down the line. And again, if that's where they're going to go with Mina with the World of Stardom Championship, or they can do it for the IWGP, or if Mina's the Wonder Stardom Champion, I would love to see a proper Mayu versus Mina match with some sort of like big significance, like you know, for a championship belt. So that's all I kind of want to say on the undercard there, good sir. Um, Let's move on, because I want to talk about these six matches, and I'm probably going to, well, I'm definitely going to be talking more um, about the Azumi and Julia match than the time they actually spent in the ring. Um, but let's start with Micro and Mariah May. Um, Mariah May, who is someone who was moved to such a level from where she started in January when she re- when she debuted with Zaya Brookside as part of Club Venus. Here, she's matching Micah strike for strike. She feels like she is a natural in a stardom ring. And that's not easy to say because it's taken women a long, long, long time to acclimatize to this style of wrestling. I feel like Mariah May has taken to it really well and this five-star has really seen her accelerate 
to that level. I mean, she had that brilliant match with Julia, and here, I think her and Micah put on a really, really good, concise sprint. And, you know, it's nice to see at the end of the match, Micah sort of offering a hand to Mariah May, showing that she's got that respect for her. I think this was great. A re- another really, really good um, sort of chapter in Mariah May's wider five-star. Uh, I gave it three and a half. I thought for what it was, brilliant. We knew Micah had to win to stay in with a chance. Mariah May already eliminated. Um, it makes sense for Micah to win. It wasn't wholly dominant, so he didn't bury Mariah May. But overall, correct decision, good match, three and a half stars. Yeah, brother, you were right on this one. Mariah May going strike for strike with one of the bigger and stronger wrestlers on the stardom roster. Even like throwing out the backdrop driver too. I was like, boy, she's really trying to almost beat Micah at her own game. But ultimately, it was the combination of the uh, 360 degree lariat. Uh, Micah with now adopting a very vicious powerbomb. So she's been adding that like very just like, you know, almost like Kawada style uh, dropping powerbomb. Uh, into her arsenal but yeah she's the 360 lariat powerbomb for mariah may through the mat and then the midunoka driver finishing her off again i like it when you have like these bigger main event style matches when it takes two or three big moves in a row to put the opponent away yeah excellent stuff again another great showing by mariah may here like we said we've seen her that she can beat you with the roll up or she can beat you you know with the tombstone pile driver the happily ever after but the fact that she tried to go strike for strike and, you know, big move with big move with Micah for the better part of, uh, you know, almost a nine minute match was really impressive. So uh, I'm pretty close with you on the star rating, my man. I had it at four stars. I might like just a tad bit better than you. But, uh, yeah, all your uh, all your intellect there, sir, is spot on. Oh, stop it, you. Um, yeah, Azumi defeated Julia in 55 seconds. Um, despite this match only going less than a minute, there is actually so much to like about it. Um, whether it is Julia's just flagrant lack of trust of Azumi when Azumi outstretches her hand because she knows something is going to happen. Um, and then she just never really recovers. Um, you know, she tries to take on Azumi her own game, fails miserably, um, and gets rolled up with the Azumi Sushi. And then out of nowhere, Amisori comes in and challenges for the strong belt, and a completely disorientated Julia just is like, what is going on? Why is this happening? Um, you've had a rubbish tournament, Amisori. Why would I Why would I give you the next shot? And uh, poor Momokogo. She's, <laughs> I don't think she's even on this card. She isn't. She's not even on the card, and she's being buried by Julia. Because... Amisori goes, yeah, well, you let Momo Kogo challenge. And there's just a beat where Julia seems to be like going, oh, yeah, we did. And then she just goes to the crowd and goes, yeah, I've got no idea why that happened. It's like, Jesus Christ, Julia. Um, Anyway, Julia pretty much just sacks off Amisori and says, no, absolutely not. I'm not letting you challenge me, blah, 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 blah. Amisori says, well, maybe you're getting weak. Maybe you're getting... um, maybe game too relaxed. Um, I need to come back from losing the future of stardom championship, losing the goddess of stardom championship. I won this. Eventually Julia said, she'll think about it. Um, this title has, this match has now been made official for the 1st of October in Corrigan hall. And whilst I'm excited for that, obviously I don't think there is a cat in hell's chance. 
Sorry, lads. Um, talking to my cats. <laughs> um, <laughs> I they just looked at it like, what? what's with the heat, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> Fred's looking at me like, what? Um, I, I, you know, there's no chance Amisori's taking the bow here, especially as there's uh, a match to be had at Strong Style Evolved in Las Vegas at the end of the month for Julia. Um, look how easy, Matt, that match was made for the New Japan Strong Women's Championship. And you know uh-huh. what you know where I'm going with this. You know one hundred percent. Why? Why on earth is Mayu versus Azumi not for the IWGP Women's Championship? You've literally got a single you've proved with the Amisori challenge. You don't even need to think about these challenges for the belt. Just throw someone in there. Because at this point, let me just double check, because I am sure. Mayu is closing in on 150 days as IWGP Women's Champion now, which is a crazy statistic when you think that she's defended the belt once. And don't get me wrong, it was fantastic title defense against Utami. Um, but I, I don't understand. I mean, yeah, 157 days. God, I couldn't do that again. Um, I assume it's probably because of booking in New Japan and them needing the okay from New Japan with it being technically a New Japan title. But when it results in us having one title defense in 157 days, in almost half a year, we've had one title defense. Like, that's... That's terrible. That is awful. And when you think that Julia won the strong belt in May... I think the the end of May at Independent. No, it was later than that because it was the Independence Day show. Yeah, July fourth or July fifth. July fourth was the tag match. I yes, think it was July fifth. July fifth. Yeah. So she won the belt at July fifth. I'm sure this is her fourth title defense against Amisori. Which is and just they set up one for Azumi, and they set up this one for Azumi down the line too, and, and potentially Sayurida as well. Oh yeah, that's right. So what is going on? with this IWGP Women's Championship is just is beyond me. It really is. Um, one thing I'm sure of is that Amisori will give a fantastic account of herself at Corrigan. Um, giving her that opportunity, I assume it is going to main event if it's not Azumi versus Mayu. Um, we haven't had the full card now, so there's only three matches at the moment. And so at the current running order, it's Julia versus Amisori that's uh, main eventing. Um, I think it's great to give her that sort of rub at the top to show what she can do. I think she's thoroughly deserved it. When you look at her performances in this tournament, we talked about how well she's performed against the likes of Hazuki, against the likes of Tam, against the likes of Suzu Suzuki. So giving her this opportunity at Julia in a match where she can showcase a little bit more of what she's capable of, especially when you think that she is something of a bruiser, which is a style that Julia works really, really well with. I'm, uh, I'm excited for that match, even if uh, even if Julia is uh, 100% going to win. Um, and you'll notice, ladies and gentlemen, that I've spent almost no time talking about Azumi and Julia because literally it was 55 seconds of Julia attempting to regain momentum in the match after missing a back suplex and uh, never getting it back. And uh, Azumi rolling her up with the Azumi Sushi. However, for the entire segment and everything that went with it, all of the stuff at the start, I gave it three stars. It was a, th- it was a thoroughly enjoyable segment. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then 
Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I really didn't rate it just because of how short it was, but I understand why it had to be. They tease right before the five-star Julia holding up the strong uh, belt. And Azumi's saying something, oh, it's purple. I wear purple. I would like to have that uh, that belt. And then when we realized that they were in the same – well, I think going into that, I think it was a multi-person match where it was Queen's Quest and DDMs. And we knew they were in the same block. So we, me and you both mentioned uh, both on the podcast and just talking off-air that, okay, Azumi's definitely winning this match, and they're setting up for a New Japan strong championship somewhere down the line. And that's what this match really did. It was like we only got 55 seconds. And I'll be honest, Rob, you know, going, I kind of knew the results from this show, just basically everything going on with Utami with her not being able to compete against Mirai. And just knowing you don't have that match and knowing that this match goes less than a minute, the back of my head, I was like, if I bought a ticket to this show, I might have been disappointed. And then I watched the show and I was like, absolutely not. Like, absolutely not. This match for being less than a minute was great. Uh, all the matches we talked about prior were great. And the Sherry Tan match that we're about to talk about, that was worth the price of a mission alone. So that just goes to show you how awesome stardom is, is that even though sometimes, you know, the car gets changed up due to injury and travel issues and, and whatnot, that does happen. But the booking is so strong. The wrestlers are so strong that they really do give you more than their money's worth. And again, this match going 55 seconds, you know that when they run this back for the New Japan Strong Belt, uh, whether that happens, you know, this year or next year or whenever, that they're going to go 12, 13, 14, 15 minutes, and you're going to get that, you know, four and a half to four and three-fourth stars match between these two. You know it's going to be absolutely fantastic. But, yeah, I love it how Julia's, like, all out of sorts. Like, she goes for the backdrop driver early on. The next thing you know, she's getting hit with Canadian Destroyers and 45,000 roll-ups, and then Julia's like, oh, Glorious Driver, yeah, let me try this. And then the next thing you know, she gets beat. And she's like, what just happened? I lost, and then Azumi's taunting her with a stopwatch. Then Amisori's challenging for the belt. She's like, Am I in your bizarro world? Like, what's going on here? But <laughs> the way that Ami Sori has been built up in this five-star tournament very much mirrors how Natsuko Tora has been built up in this tournament as just absolute killers. Now, Ami Sori obviously doesn't have the wins that uh, Natsuko Tora does, but Tora has all these wins going into the final, and she looks like a legit threat for Tam's championship coming up on the 9th of October where Ami Sori, again, she's gotten some good wins. You know, she's, uh, you know, she has had that big win over Natsupoi. Uh, she's looked really good in a lot of her matches, uh, you know, with Suzu Suzuki, with Mayu, with Hazuki. So you know that it's going to be a great match. She's riding this wave of momentum of having some fantastic matches, singles matches with giving enough time that she's going to be in there with Julia, and it's going to be for the strong championship. And you mentioned it, my friend. The two of them kind of have the same hard-hitting style. So it's going to be a fantastic match. That core can I mean, we were spoiled coming up this weekend with great wrestling. Obviously, this five-star final. And then, you know, we have the Corkin show. And again, I know this is the AW podcast. We're also getting Brian Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. and Eddie Kingston versus Shibata. So, uh, yeah, as long as I survive catch camp this weekend, my friend, I'm really looking forward 
to the uh, wrestling going on this weekend. But yeah, yeah, all in all, really, really fun stuff. And I can't wait for Julia and Azumi to run it back with the proper time. It's a big if. I've seen uh, I've seen pictures of your catch camp. Um, it's a big if you survive. Um, the main event match, Matt. Um, both of us absolutely love this, um, and I know that both of us love this because I loved it. And when there's when I loved it, there's a chance you loved it as well. Um, this is a main event in every sense of the word. It felt special. It felt like a top-of-the-table clash, if I can use a sports metaphor. It felt like two of the big guns fine, and these two did not disappoint. They properly went hell for leather at each other. And I know that Tam is the world of stardom champion and is therefore the pinnacle of the company. But seeing her beat Suri clean with the violet screwdriver was still a little bit of a shock. And I don't know why. I don't know why I still see Suri as this mythical top-of-the-card monster that just cannot be beaten. And I don't know if that's just because we still, even now, see Shuri pins so rarely um, that Tam getting that pinfall victory is so big. Um, But overall, these two really, really gave absolutely everything for this match. Tam moves to 11 points and is still in the mix for... um, for the big final show. Um, Suri, I will say now, um, she had one final match after this before the final, which was against Starlight on the 24th. Um, If you don't want to hear the result, skip ahead 15 seconds. You have been warned. Um, Suri did win that um, and moved to 11 points. So Tam, Suri are both still in the mix alongside Natsukatora. So uh, Matt... And Suzu. Spoilers, man. Well, I mean, you, you, you just, oh, I'm sorry. I see what you did. Anywho, <laughs> haven't gone to that show yet. I'm excited. I'm excited. Okay, let's talk about this match. Um, you talked about about a minute ago, brother, that uh, you see Sherry as this mythical figure. It's got to do with a whole bunch of different reasons. And you're absolutely right. The way that she's built. I mean, the way the way that she's built her style of wrestling and very much. I mean, let's talk about the biggest wrestling company in the world for a second. WWE. Who's the big mythical creature in WWE? It's Brock Lesnar. Why? Because Brock Lesnar is the most legit. Shuri is the most legit. You know, she, again, we talk about it all the time, MMA experience. You know, she's fought in the UFC before. She's a former queen of Pancrase. You know, she's got all that kickboxing experience. Plus, she's absolutely deadly in the ring and one of the greatest world of stardom champions and arguably the greatest run in the history of the five-star Grand Prix is her run in 2021. Obviously, that's another story for another day. But Tam in this one, maybe sometimes uh, the maybe the world of stardom championship is getting to her head a little bit because uh, Tam's a great striker. She goes strike for strike for Sherry, and Sherry's like, okay, all right, <laughs> let's calm down, Twilight Princess here. And then, like, she just floors her. Sherry just floors her with this, like, one kick forearm. She takes Tam to the top rope, does the double wrist lock takedown, locks her in the double wrist lock. But then Sherry is, uh, Tam is able to counter a lot of stuff Sherry's doing. There's this one awesome spot where Sherry goes for the Ruin, and Tam is able to counter and locks in the Northern Cross submission, which I thought was great. Uh, and then Tam uh, pulls Sherry off the ropes. Again, being very aggressive. You know, we talked about in her match with Mina, uh, title for title, where Tam, where she hits one big move and doesn't get too emotional. She knows she has to stay at the task at hand, and she does it here. 
She's got the Northern Cross on Sherry. Sherry is able to get to the ropes. Tam pulls her off. She goes for the violent screwdriver. Sherry is able to escape and just launches poor Tam neck first into the uh, <laughs> into the uh, uh, into the canvas. However, and then Sherry's stalking Tam. Tam hits this leg sweep that reminded me of Ryu and Ken from Street Fighter, which I thought was cool. Uh, which then she goes for the violent shooting. But when she does, uh, Sherry just hits this, uh, or she hits the violent shooting. But Sherry's able to fire up very much the Antonio Noki fighting spirit and hits this brutal Mar- Miracle Krokop style head kick. There was a couple times where they tease like double knockouts here. Um, I was a huge big fan of Tam finally getting like the clear advantage towards the end and hitting five violent shootings in a row. And then Sherry kicks out at one. And then again, Tam thinking, this is one of my big moves. Like I, maybe I've not been able to beat you with it, but like you kicked out at one and I did five of them. And again, Tam stays the course, hits this brutal, murderous kick. Maybe the stiffest kick in this match, considering the fact I'm talking about Shuri. That says a lot. And then that brutal kick leads to the violent screwdriver for the finish. Um, This wasn't as good as their red belt match. Then again, I gave that five stars, so you really couldn't improve much on it. But they did make, yeah, it did make Tam look like a giant star here. Uh, this was four and a half stars. This was fantastic. And this is a match that I'm definitely going to go back and watch again because this is just two of my favorite wrestlers, not just in stardom, but all of wrestling in a main event, giving them over 13 minutes to go out and tell their story. And they did, and they did perfectly. They really did. They really did. It is certainly one of the matches of the tournament. Absolutely. Go out of your way to check this one out. And it's funny, actually, because I'd ordinarily say this is the match of the night or match of the run of shows we're talking about. And honestly, this is maybe third because of the two matches put on on night 20 um, from Sendai Miyagi, Japan, in the Aztec Museum Sendai Industry Exhibition Hall. These names just keep getting better. <coughs> this is your results. 433 people in attendance, by the way. Amisori defeating Yuna Mizumori with the like of Thunderbolt in six minutes and one second. Julia getting a singles victory over Hanako in six minutes and 45 seconds with the STF. Tag team action, Megan Bain and Maysera defeating the stars team of Kogama and Saeeda in 8 minutes and 7 seconds, with obviously Saeeda eating the choke bomb. Um, uh, tag team match, Mayu Iwatani and Hanan in preparation for their Goddess of Stardom tag run later in October, defeated the Club Venus team of Mariame and Waka Sukiyama um, with the backdrop suplex in 7 minutes and 18 seconds, Hannon pinning Waka. I know Matt wants to talk about that a little bit in a moment. Um, we've then got six-woman tag team action. God's Eye team of Mirai, Shuri, and Saki Kashima defeating the Awaratai team of Natsuki Toru, Waka, and Starlight Kid with Mirai pinning Ruwaka with the Lariat in 13 minutes and 51 seconds. We then move on to some five-star Grand Prix action. Blue Bock action, Micah versus Mina Shirakawa. Micah on 10 points. Mina moves to nine points. It's a time limit draw, a Rossi Ogawa special in 15 minutes. Exactly. And then in your main event, it, this really did feel like a playoff um, with the winner carrying on the tournament with the loser being eliminated. And of course, it is Suzu Suzuki who wins, defeating Hazuki, moving to 10 points and eliminating the Wild Heart in 11 minutes and 35 seconds with the German suplex hold. Uh, Matt, let's whiz through this undercard and then let's talk about these two fantastic matches at the top of this card. 
Yeah, um, I liked how match one and two were kind of like the first, the same segment, very much like an ECW pay per view back in the late '90s, where it's just like just run them all back to back. It was like they were able to get all that stuff done in like 20 minutes, where Ami Sori gets the win over Yuna. It was a great match for how quick it went, and then just Julia's just there, just like chilling, and then Hanako comes. I thought that was uh, that was hilarious. But let's talk about match number four. Was it a good match? Absolutely. Did it make me super excited to see the team of Mayu and Hanan? in the Goddess of Stardom tournament. Yes, as long as they come out to Hanan's theme, I'm okay with that. No rant? I'm ignoring oh. it. I'm ignoring <laughs> Do you know what? After the, after the amount of comments we had about my rant about you trying to bait me with your whole bloody, oh, I'm, I'm beginning to like the new Hanan theme. Oh, the new Julia theme's all right, isn't it? Do you know what else is all right? White noise, Matt Turner. There it is, folks. Hey, it, it got over in the bit. If it gets over, you know, we had a zillion comments on They love the banter on it. If it gets over, just like Bipor, you got to run with it, brother. So, yeah, let's run with the uh, the Hanan theme. I still can't find it on YouTube. I want to listen to it on my way home from work some days. I... It's because even YouTube <laughs> doesn't like it. YouTube doesn't like it, man. That's why it's not on there. Oh, no, Rob Goodwin is fired up, folks. Anywho, let's talk. Uh, like I said, Mayu and Han going to the Goddess t- uh, tournament uh, again. I knew I was going to be pumped for this team. They, you know, they did a great job in just seven minutes, making me really, really excited to see Mayu and Han in, in this tournament against all these fantastic teams. Mariah May, folks, she does her entrance for Walker. She does the entrance for her, and then she does the entrance for Han and playing off that her and Han and we're a tag team at the Dream Tag Festival, and they switched gear, and it was like. Most one of the most entertaining things you'll see just in not just wrestling, but just on earth in the year 2023. <laughs> and then not only does Hana go like a Meyer May finally go Hana into like you know coming out and like in the middle of the ring while she introduces her, but then they even have the graphic Club Venus Hana. And I was like, oh boy, that was genius on the fan, the fantastic folks on Stardom World. And then uh, Mahi was just like, at first, Mahi was like. No, no, she's not part of Club Venus. No, she's not a part of Club Venus. But Mariah May won Mayu over on the entrance, where then the microphone goes back to the poor ring announcer, and he's and Mariah May's like, "No, I'm not ring announcing you. Like, I want nothing to do with you, Mayu." And she's like, "Are you not going to do? Oh, I guess I'll do the regular ring announcing, which is fine." I thought that was great. And then the match, <laughs> you know, and the match was really good with Han and uh, getting the win with the wrist clutch backdrop driver uh, again. Great tag match, really entertaining segment between uh, not just the four, and not just Mariah May, Waka, Han, and Mayu, but even getting the ring, about, ring announcer involved, whether he knew it or not, and the little gimmick. I thought that was great. But uh, what was great, not only is Han's theme great and Julia's theme great, but these final two matches, Rob Goodwin, they were, honestly, they were fantastic. Honestly, the rage bubbling <laughs> underneath me right now. Let's talk about these two tag matches. Let's get you back into speed, brother. <laughs> Good grief. Good grief. Uh, both solid matches. No, I can't. I can't. I can't because I know deep down. Yeah, I'll go, no, I just... want to go first so you can calm down a little? <laughs> yes, please. All right, so Micah and Mina. This was... Again, Micah's another one we could put for MVP of this tournament. Mina's had a really solid tournament. But these last few matches that she's had is really doing a great job building her up if we have to pivot left because we were going to go with Saya, supposedly, or we were going to go with Utami winning, supposedly. If there's somebody else that we have to win this tournament, 
Mina Shirakawa is a great pick. I mean, again, they can go Sherry. They can go Tam. There's a bunch of different ways they can really go. I don't think they're going to go Tor just because she has that uh, title match coming up, um, you know, next week or in two weeks. But again, this is really, really good stuff here. Uh, you know, obviously, Micah, we're not going to get into it all the way, but you know what I mean, Rob? She doesn't give Mina a clean break in the start of the match. Uh, if you've seen this match or you've been on Twitter, it's all over the place. And then uh, um, uh, Mina doesn't like it. So she go- starts kicking after Micah's legs, winds up hitting the low drop kick. Micah tries to go to the floor to get a little bit of a breather, but she's on the apron and Mina staying aggressive goes after Micah and we're like two minutes in this match and Micah suplexes Mina from the outside or from the apron to the outside where then she suplexes her onto the apron. Like what a bump. I'm like, okay, we're establishing the psychology early on that Mina wants to break apart Micah's leg, you know, takes away the strength advantage, take away the base of the Mijinoka driver, the superplexes, and it sets up for the figure four. Easy psychology to follow. And then Mike is just like, okay, first advantage I have, I'm going to suplex you onto the apron. Okay, like, I'm in. You, you know, you, you got me here. Uh, I thought that was really good. And then uh, it's really just the story of anytime Mina is in trouble, she's getting out of these big moves by going back to Micah's knee, doing a great job, you know, breaking down the knee. Uh, eventually, though, Micah is able to just come back with that STO she hits. Um, and then she uh, she goes again. Uh, she goes for the Ankatoshi. Mina's able to counter with a reverse DDT. She hits the Roaring Elbow, and then she goes from the Roaring Elbow. Instead of staying on the striking, she has the advantage. So what does she do? Goes back to the leg with the Dragon Screw Leg Whip. I thought that was great. Locks in the fl- the figure four. Uh, Mike is able to get out. Mina hits the Glamorous Sword for a two count. Uh, Mike is able to come back from the figure four driver and plants Mina onto the top rope. I thought that was a really cool spot how they get into the superplex. And for someone who's done a superplex many a time in their wrestling career, Rob, I always try to look, look for different ways to get into the superplex. And the fact that Micah was able to do something different where it's like, okay, Mina's super super finisher, excuse me, easy for me to say, is the figure four driver. So Mike is able to use a defensive move, basically getting out of the figure four driver and is able to back Mina into the turnbuckle to set her up for that big superplex. I thought it was a cool way to get into it. Not only that, but then it gives Micah some separation to be able to catch her second win, to be able to try to get a little blood flow back into that knee that Mina was working. I thought that was really, really good. I thought it was really clever and really simple uh, how they did it. Um, Micah goes for the Mijinoka driver. Mina is able to roll through with a uh, cradle attempt for a two count, but when she gets up, she eats this brutal 360 lariat from Micah. Then Micah decides that she wants to plant Mina into the middle of the ring with the powerbomb, and then she goes for the Mijinoka driver. Again, show earlier, she was able to beat Mariah May. Micah was with the combination of the 360 clothesline, the powerbomb, and the Mijinoka driver. It's kind of seemed to be her big go-to move that she chains back to back to back to win these big matches. However, the last second, Mina is able to slip out of the Mijinoku driver, lock Micah in the figure four. And instead of the time expiring in like 10 seconds from it, they work this. They work this. They are on the cell. And I know they're not taking bumps and they're not running and they're not taking forearms and they're not doing anything crazy, but they're adding so much to the story just by Mina Every time it looks like Micah's going to tap out, Mina gets up and she smacks the mat like she's taking a bump to add more pressure onto the knee. And Micah's selling. She's grabbing the rack. It looks like the rack's going to call for the bell. Micah's like, don't call for the bell. Don't call for the bell. Don't call for the bell. And it's just because if Micah loses this match, she's pretty much out of the five-star. She's hanging on for dear life. 
and it seems like she's in this figure four forever. And then Julia, who's on the outside, not only in this match, is screaming for her fellow DDM member to get to the ropes, and she can't get to the ropes, and Mina's dragging her back, and just hang on, and just hang on. Just a brilliant job done by Mina, a brilliant job done by Micah, great job by the referee, and then even with Julia on the outside, just added that much to it. This is one of my favorite matches of this tournament. These two are fantastic here. I have this at four and three-fourth stars. This is absolutely must-see wrestling. And folks, for any of you that are professional wrestlers or are looking to get into professional wrestling, this is a match to watch on how to build simple telling psychology. Brilliantly done by two of the best wrestlers, not only in Stardom Rob, in the world. This is my match of the tournament so far. Wow, the whole tournament. Um, the whole tournament. Um, it was Julia versus Sioriano. Um, Hazuki's had some bangers. Um, but this, for me, just had everything you could possibly want. Um, I mean, you've hit everything pretty much significantly right on the head. But Micah's facials in that closing sequence. The I'm so glad that they had the goal to have her in the figure for that long and to have it go the 15-minute time limit because once you get to 14 minutes, you sort of assume a match is going to the... It's going the distance. But the fact that then Mina got her in the hold and Micah is going nowhere, she's grabbing the ref, you can see the full-on agony in her face. I'd argue this is the best-selling job Micah's ever done. Um, and then you couple that with Mina's desperation, sort of smashing her legs against the floor to try and get extra purchase on Micah's knees. The way that they build to that finish, the brutality of Mina dropping Micah's knees first onto the apron, everything just clicked with these two, and it was an all-out brawl, and I loved it. There was not a moment where I wasn't captivated by what was going on in the ring. Micah just decided that, yeah, okay, Mina is taking out my knees, so I'm just going to make up for it with added ferocity in my strikes. You mentioned that discus lariat, Matt. Jesus Christ, I thought we were going to end up having another promo from Mina backstage with a mouthful of blood. Um, she properly connected with that, but all in all, four and three-quarter stars, my match of the tournament, and if anyone was in any doubt that either of these two women would do a tremendous job in the final of the five-star Grand Prix, this match should have done excellently to quell it. Now, how do you follow? Match. How do you follow this? How do you follow that match up? Well, sir. <laughs> well, sir. <laughs> well, it's funny you should mention that because follow it they did, and they followed it with um, Hazuki getting eliminated from the tournament. Well, let's get the negatives out of the way here first, okay? I said this on the podcast yesterday. I'm not a big fan of how they built Hazuki back up from having consecutive losses. You know, it seems like she's going on this big run. She's going to beat Tor on the final night. It seems like she was eliminated fairly arbitrarily for no reason here. You know, before the final night. It just seems... It seems bizarre, the booking. Um... You know, if you're going to have Hazuki not go the distance, have her lose a couple of matches back. Don't build her to then be eliminated with very little fanfare. That being said, 
this was another fantastic match back and forth i mean they started this match with a double down which is bold like i often think if you're doing a double down you have got to earn that double down you've got to show the exhaustion the effort that you have put into it for them to start with that and it feel earned was great was really good and it set the stall for the rest of this match which honestly could have gone either way I bit on so many pinfalls from both women because I just did not know which way Stardom were going to go. And overall, I think they knocked it out of the park, both women, Matt. Not only they knock it out of the park, they almost knocked their heads off. Look at that little little segue that you gave me, didn't even know. Look it. at that. Yeah, I um not unless they're really looking to do something with Suzu. I thought it would have been, you know, you mentioned, brother, that this was like almost like a playoff. Whoever wins this match is still able to qualify for the final. Whoever loses is out. Considering the fact that Tor has run through this tournament and it's Tor and Hazuki on the final night, I thought that they would have maybe given the Hazuki the rub here. Again, not unless they're doing something with Suzu Suzuki. This is, you know, let's hopefully I don't get these confused with Suzu Suzuki, Hazuki, and Azumi. Anywho, um, but. Uh, can I just ask, Matt, before you carry on, here. can I just ask? Yes. Do you think that Stardom booked themselves into a corner somewhat with how dominantly. Tora started the tournament. I mean, is she is she six and two? I think overall at the moment. So straight away that puts three quarters of the field, you know, having to make sure that they win so many of their matches and eliminates them very early on. Do you think, especially with? I mean, you can't even blame the sire injury because the sire injury took place on the first night. Do you think they booked themselves into a corner? with having Tora not only win so dominantly early on, but also be on 12 points before really it felt like the tournament had even gotten going. Yes and no. I see your point because of everybody having to play catch-up and she's beaten everybody. But I will say this. The reason why I say, uh, you know, no, is other than whoever comes out of this as the winner, whether it's Mina, whoever, who's the person that's probably benefited most from this tournament? I could be wrong, but I think it's Tora. Again, Tora, who coming back from the injury, you know, we're seeing her, you know, making the steps back. And again, she was out of that. She was out of stardom for well over a year. You know, it's a knee injury. So you never, you're always doing running, slamming, jumping. I mean, her finisher is a swanton for, for goodness sakes. Where we've really seen her take that main event role, really pretty much going into the cage match. Uh, you know, the QQ versus a widow tie uh, cage match. And then they did a phenomenal job booking her as this monster heel. She's like her, their bull Nakano. Their, She's their Aja Kong. I was just uh, earlier today, I was just at my comic shop getting comics. And the one guy I talked wrestling with said, hey, you know, I know the five star final is still, uh, you know, I, I only know they only know a little bit about stardom. And then I said, you know, Tor. They said, well, who's Tor? Is she new? And I explained the injury. And I said, they said, well, explain it to me. I said, she's a cross between Bull Nakano and Aja Kong. They're like, oh, that's badass. She stands out different than anybody in stardom and the fact that they built her up in this tournament they use this tournament to build her back up as a main eventer so i see your point uh where maybe they have booked him in their corner by having tora maul through everybody but now they have now another main eventer on their hands in the leader of the big heel group there rob so again that's my uh my my, my point and counterpoint to your question sir no, fair enough. It was just it was something that I thought about, you know, and I've been thinking about since we've been doing these reviews that obviously Tora hasn't wrestled in goodness knows how long. But 
you know, having her sit at the top of the block with so many points and having the tiebreaker over pretty much everyone. I think that the only people she doesn't have the tiebreak over are Suzu Suzuki and Starlight Kid. Who else doesn't she have? Starlight Kid. And Starlight Kid. <laughs> and Starlight Kid, who's eliminated and was uh, she's on four points. And the only reason she's on four points is because Sayakamatani's injured. So, you know, I mean, you could argue that the chances are Sayakamatani was supposed to beat Natsukatora. Um, but, you know, as well, like having the tie break against Starlight Kid, what use is that? <laughs> Starlight Kid's had four points. She's been, she has been mauled by everybody in this tournament, bless her. Yeah. Um, let's go back to this but match. Yeah, yeah, no. Let's talk about this match. Let's go back yeah, to this match because this match. And it's not even it's not even me being negative about the tournament. The tournament's been great, and seeing Tora be the big heel badass that I've wanted her to be for so long, it really does feel like she's come of age in the last like two, three months. And I love that. I am a big, big fan of that. And I've seen people on Twitter say, Oh, please don't let Tora be in the final. Please don't let Tora be in the final. I will guarantee you this now, and you can bookmark this tweet. If Tora makes it to the final, she will put on an absolute banger in that final with whoever she's in the final with. I guarantee it. Yeah, that's a possibility. That's a possibility. I just don't think that they'll go that route. But again, I mean, obviously, Neither do I. I, yeah, <laughs> obviously we'll preview when we when we when we get there just in a little bit, partner. There is no bad match that's going to be for the final. I mean, it's just the way that, again, stardom, it's the most stacked roster in wrestling. Uh, the stories, even though with them having to pivot not once but twice, uh, the booking committee is doing a great job. It's been a great job this match, Rob. They did two double uh, double KOs uh, fall season this one, and they all made sense. Even if you've never seen Hazuki and Suzu wrestle before, and this like this was your first match you've ever seen them, you're like, okay, that makes sense. But knowing the violence that these two bring, uh, it even – ramps it up for you know uh fans like me and you and a lot of our a lot of our listeners was like oh this was good this was good the form exchanges suzu or hazuki going full hazuki mode on the deathmatch wrestler suzu suzuki here i thought that was great um she gets the corner code breaker and then she gets crazy i mean hazuki always gets really good height on the sentons that she does from the top row, but this one had a little bit more height to it. Really trying to bring down the violence on Suzu Suzuki. Um, and then Hazuki goes for the brain buster, and then a really cool counter with Hazuki or Suzu getting out and healing the uh, the tequila roll for a two count. I thought that was really good. Again, what these both of these wrestlers have, they have the very violent nature of their strikes. You know, the forearms, the kicks. Suzu's been doing this this triple uh, like this this kick trio like a left kick to the head right kick right kick to the head and then mini super kick uh, that she really kind of adopted in night one of this tournament against Shuri that kind of builds towards the tequila shot and the uh, locomotion German suplexes that she's added so you have that and then again you know Hazuki with the pump kicks the face wash again the forearms and the forms that lead to uh, full Hazuki mode which is my favorite mode by the way so you have that and then again you have Hazuki who big finish is the brain buster. Suzu Suzuki has the the back-to-back German suplexes. So you have those big head drop finishers. But at the same time, Suzu can steal one with the tequila roll. And Hazuki can steal one. And we've seen it with the Hazuki Strat. And where these two put all that offense, mixed in with psychology, mixed in with timing, mixed in with crowd psychology, mixed in with ring placement, mixed in with those two double KOs. And then the finish of the match is uh, you see that Suzu goes for she hits the one German, goes for the second. And then on the second one, Suzu's able to, or excuse me, Hazuki's able to roll 
Suzu up into the Hazuki strat, which I thought that was the finish because I didn't know going in who won this. I was able to stay away from spoilers. And then Suzuki was able to come back with a big strike and then finally hit the back-to-back locomotion German suplexes. The fact they got all that in, Rob, that we just talked about in 11 minutes and 35 seconds, which I think that was the official time, they were able to get all that in. Just goes to show you how great these these wrestlers are. Uh, this was great. I saw some... Uh, some people that like this match a little bit better than the Mina Micah match, which is fine. Uh, and I get it, but I like this. This was four and a half stars, which is still a phenomenal rating, but not as good as the previous match. So, uh, yeah, excellent match, Rob. And, um, now that you have anything else to say, I'm going to kind of ham fist my own segue there, my friend. Is there anything else you want to say about this show or this match before I, I kind of ham fist my own segue here? I gave it four and a half stars, perhaps not quite as good as Micah versus Mina Shirakawa, but still an incredibly strong match. And for me, one of the top three, top four matches of the tournament. Check it out 100% in the words of Mai Wibatani. Go, Matt, segue. So I watched, uh, all within one sitting, I watched Mina versus Micah, then Hazuki versus Suzu Suzuki. And then I watched from Friday night, Io Shirai versus Asuka. Yes, folks. We are going to get into Asuka, or not Asuka Watch, uh, EO Watch. Boy, I'm all over the place today, brother. Uh, <laughs> so this, and I know you have not seen this yet, sir, so I, I highly recommend you go and see it. Uh, obviously, there's not that big of a spoiler. So we get the match, and I wasn't sure. I had a, I was going to watch this match live on Friday just because it's EO, it's Asuka, it's for the Women's Championship on SmackDown. From what I understand, this this match popped a huge rating. And uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know it was tweeted out by a lot of the uh, the dirt sheet writers and a lot of people smarter than me that this had just as big of rating, if not bigger rating than the John Cena uh, segment, which that's a big, big deal. Um, I had, when I had this match, when this match was over, I had a lot of people texting me and tweeting at me. And I was, for some reason, I don't know why I didn't watch this match live. I don't know if I went to a high school football game or, or what I was doing, but my main thing was yeah, this match may get five or six minutes. It went like close to 20. What I did is I timed it, but my idiot brain, I fast forward through the commercials. So I was like, oh, I don't have the time right. So this went like 19, 20 minutes, Rob. So it got time. The match starts with some really great technical wrestling back and forth. Uh, Asuka starts using some arm drags to kind of isolate EO. And then she goes to the top rope and then EO arm drags Asuka off the top rope. Asuka takes a powder to the outside. Eel quickly tries to follow up with the Asai Moonsault, but she uh, crashes and burns. She misses there. They go back and forth, and then we see Eo. We do get some Eo stardom stuff in here, Rob. Now, there's no dragon suplexes on the floor or tombstones on the uh, on the apron. However, Eo does the... Yeah, a, you're not going to see that, folks. You're not going to see... Um, <laughs> or what I meant by that, Eo does the picture-perfect springboard dropkick that then Asuka sells... To the middle row of the other side of the ring. Now, Rob, I know, I know you've, you've seen an EO Shirai match one or two in your day, and I've seen about three or four. So usually when you <laughs> see this, EO sets up for the 619. I'm like, she can't do the 619, right? Rey Mysterio's on the same show as her. However, she doesn't do it. But however, what she does now is she, instead of doing the 619 in between the second and third, she slides all the way underneath the bottom rope and hits a kick. Nowhere near as impactful or cool looking, but at the same time, pretty cool substitute from the 619. So after she hits that, Rob, she hits another springboard dropkick. Again, those moves back to back, something that I don't think we've seen since her days in stardom. 
She hits a beautiful running show tie that gets her a two count. Asuka's able to come back with a brutal head kick for two. Eel follows up with a German suplex. Um, again, we don't see Eel, Eel throwing those German suplexes in WWE ring. But when uh, Asuka kicks out of the German suplex, she keeps wrist control and locks Eo in the double wrist lock. I thought that was really cool. Eo is able to slip out and hit Asuka with a really super stiff sliding kick. She comes off the ropes. Asuka hits a pop-up knee and kick combination for two. Asuka then locks Eo into the Fujiwara armbar. Eo gets to the ropes. Asuka goes back to the top rope. But then Eo drop kicks Asuka off the top rope. Asuka takes a really nasty fall to the floor. Eo's able to uh, follow up with the sunset flip powerbomb onto the floor. And then uh, and then the two of them have a little brawl. Asuka gets the advantage of the brawl. She goes for the head kick, but she misses. And she crow cop head kicks the ring post. That's never good. Eo finally hits the moonsault from the post that she tried earlier on. Uh, she throws Asuka in the ring. Hits another German suplex for two count. She puts Asuka in the cross face. Uh, uh, cross face. Asuka is able to escape. Um, she puts in the Asuka lock. Asuka is able to uh, escape the Asuka lock. When she does, she eats a huge kick from Asuka. Asuka goes to the top rope, hits the Joshi-style drop kick. We get a forearm fest back and forth between the two. Very staple, big staple in stardom, that forearm fest. Eo gets the advantage of the forearm fest. No, I'm sorry. Asuka gets the advantage of the forearm fest. Asuka goes, this is a really cool spot. Asuka comes running off the rope like she's going to hit a running forearm. But Eo tries once again for the running Shote palm strike. But when she does, Asuka catches the palm strike and rolls her into an arm bar, which I thought that was really cool. How she tried once again for that big palm strike. And we mentioned, Rob, how that palm strike mentioned when we recorded yesterday, how that palm strike back in 2018 split Momo Watanabe's chin open. So she roll, transitions the arm bar into the Asuka lock. Bailey um, is interferes very slightly. I thought what, you know, cause Charlotte was, came out there. Bailey came out there and uh, Dakota Kai was out there, you know, obviously for damage control. So really the only interference of the match is when it looks like EO's about to tap out. Bailey literally drags EO on top of the referee. So the referee doesn't see what's happening, which I thought was funny. Again, can't see it. It's not a disqualification. Um, that causes the break because she, she drags EO over the top of the referee to get to the rope. Charlotte and Bailey have a little bit of a brawl. Oscar uh, is like, what happened? I had the win here. Uh, EO comes back with brutal double knees to the back of Oscar's neck and hits the moonsault for the three count. I had this at four and a quarter stars. I know some people told me it was good. Some people told me it was very good. I thought this was excellent. I thought the fact that we would have seen some interference, you know, with Charlotte and Bailey and Dakota, and really there was next to none. I figured that they would only get five or six minutes. They got around 20. There was only two commercial breaks. The crowd was into this the entire time. I don't know why they have Io Shirai as a heel. The only time she ever got even remotely over as a heel, in my opinion, when she was wrestling Mayu, and Mayu is like the second coming of like Hiroshi Tanahashi and Ricky Morton. So uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody will argue with me on that <laughs> point, brother. But yeah, definitely go and see this match. The fact that it got time, it left the story open. Hopefully they have another match somewhere down down the line. Again, I absolutely love this match. And the fact that I was able to watch Micah versus Mina, Suzu versus uh, Hazuki, and then Io versus Asuka all within about an hour. Uh, life's good, brother. Life is good. Who said that life's negative? Jesus. Um, so um, with that being said, there is a match that I am 100% going to check out. It's time we look at this final. So the final, which is going to be at the Yokohama Budokan. Um, uh, 
airs on September the 30th, the morning of the September 30th. Um, and goodness gracious me, what an absolute, what carnage we are going to see. So let's start with the matches. So we already know that Julia will not be wrestling because she was due to wrestle Utami. Utami's injured and out of that tournament. Julia is now in the pre-show Battle Royal, which is also going to include Suzu Suzuki, because Suzu Suzuki cannot wrestle because uh, Sayakamatani is injured, and that's who she should have had on the final night. So with that, Julia moves to 11 points. Suzu Suzuki moves to 12. Now, in red block, these are the matches that you have. Mayu Iwatani versus Starlight Kid. Okay, both of those women are eliminated, but it could be about so much more than that, especially if Starlight Kid were to get the win over Mayu and maybe wrestle, pardon the pun, back a little bit of the momentum um, that she struggled to find during this five-star. Tam Nakano versus Natsupoi. Natsupoi is eliminated. Tam is on 11 points. A victory puts her in a very strong position in blue block. Um, uh, because if Tora was to lose against Hazuki and Tam wins, Tam is into her second consecutive final. We're going to get into all those permutations and things in a moment. Um, and this is all courtesy of our great fan Sky Edwards, who's produced a fantastic written piece on Voices of Wrestling. If so, go and check that out, because it's great. Suri versus Ami Suri. Suri needs to beat Ami Suri in this. And Hazuki versus Natsukatora. So well, that is all of Red Block. In Red Block, all Tora has got to do is get one point against Hazuki, and she's into the final. If she loses, well, that opens a significant amount of doors in Red Block. Rather than just doors, it's doors, windows, all sorts. Um, moving into blue block, as I've already said, Julia moves on to 11 points. Uh, Mirai versus Micah, literal top of the table clash here. Um, 10 points Mirai, 10 points Micah. Azumi versus Momo Watanabe, both women eliminated, but a significant amount of history between the pair. Used to be best friends, won the tag league together. Momo turned on Azumi at the end of 2021 to join Oeditai, then pretty much KO'd her with a wrench in her boot at the start of 2022. So a deep-seated rivalry there. Hanan versus Mariah May, again, both eliminated, but they formed a very strange, weird bond over the last couple of weeks. And of course, Mariah May tried to uh, tried to poach Hanan from Stars um, earlier on in the week. And then finally, Mina Shirakawa versus Sayori Ano. Cosmic Angels versus Club Venus. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the permutations, Matt, and what's got to happen to get to where. And then we'll sort of talk a little bit about the final as a whole, if that's okay. Whatever you want, brother. It's your show. Um, that's not true at all. So, as I mentioned before, if we talk about Red Block for a moment, the only people who are still alive in Red Block are Tora, Suzu Suzuki, Tam Nakano, and Suri. So, in Red Block, a win or a draw, any point that Tora gets, she moves to 13 points and you can't catch her. So, if Hazuki wins, that opens up Red Block. If Tora wins or draws, Tora goes through to the final. The next most likely is Tam. If Tam is to beat Natsupoi, 
If Tora loses, Tam is into the final due to having the tie breaks over Suri. Suri, by the way, needs to beat Amisori, hope for a Tora loss, and for Tam to get a loss or a draw. And then finally, Suzu Suzuki, it's looking increasingly unlikely that she is going to make it through to the final. She's still alive, but it would take a significant amount of uh, bizarre turns for it to happen. So Tora would have to lose, Suri would have to lose, and Tam would have to lose or draw. So basically, if Tam draws, it's no concrete way of getting through. So that's red block. Um, it feels really weird to talk about Red Block and not have Mayu even in the frame for that. It's it's so bizarre. Not quite as bizarre as Blue Block, where we haven't got Utami um, in there, which is which is just mad. So, okay, this is what we have in Blue Block. Julia still alive in the tournament. Isn't going to be wrestling on the main card as it stands. Mirai, Mina Shirakawa. And Micah. Those are your four people still alive in blue block. Julia is on 11 points. Mirai and Micah are both on 10. Mina on 9. Now, for Micah to go through, she's got to beat Mirai. Okay? And basically, hope everyone loses. If she beats Mirai, she's through. If she draws with Mirai, she's got to lose. Everyone else has got to lose. So a win for Mirai would see Micah go through. Mina Shirakawa has got to hope that Micah and Mirai go to a draw. And she has got to beat Sioriano because Mina Shirakawa has the potential tiebreaker over Mirai. Mirai has got to beat Micah. So basically, if there is a if there is a result in that Mina versus if that in that Mirai versus Micah match, if we have a winner in that match, that winner tops the block. If it's a draw. That opens the door for Mina and Julia. If Mirai draws with Micah, it's the same situation as it is with uh, Micah. Mina Shirakawa loss and a Julia loss sends Mirai through. Julia, she's it, Mina's got to lose and Mirai and Micah has got to go to a draw. Now, Scott has put that Stardom has has Julia listed with a chance. So it depends what they are classing as the tiebreaker. It might not be as cut and dry as, you know, victories and things like that. It seems very unlikely that Julia is going through in the same way that it's very unlikely that Suzu Suzuki is going through in red block. The ball is very much in Micah's court in blue block and in Marais, of course. A victory there, that person goes through. Red block... It's all in Tora's hands. If Tora wins or gets a draw, she's through. Otherwise, it looks like Tam might sneak through at her expense. Right. So, Matt. Now, I'm going to say two things real quick, and then we're going to we're going to deep dive into this. Number one, Sardin would not make it so easy on us. It's like, yeah, Tora wins. Like it's the first match. Tora beats Suzuki in four minutes. That, that's over, right? It's not. Eh, where's the fun in that? Uh, that's the first thing. The second thing, Rob, we talk all the time about trying to get our YouTube subscriptions up. I cannot wait to explain this to my wife. How the, again? Because I mentioned the beginning of the show, we are only separated by one point in this tournament for uh, to see who's going to uh, have the more points. So she's going to look at this every which way. 
So for me to explain this to her, I'm and she's really gonna have to think about it and maybe overthink it, like how me and you do. I might tape it and put it on our YouTube channel, brother, because I tell you what, that might be entertainment. That might be almost as entertaining as this show. Um, speaking of which, this show is absolutely fantastic and loaded. And the fact that we were supposed to get Julia versus Utami and Suzu versus Saya, it's still going to be an absolute banger of a show. We're double your money. Uh, no doubt about that. So, and the fact that we're not getting those two matches, it kind of breaks my heart. But at the same time, how can you be upset when you're getting matches like Mayu, Starlight Kid, Tam, Natsupoi, etc.? Okay, Rob, I'm going to give you, if you don't mind, sir, I'm going to break down what I think is going to happen. Um, I know it's not for any points. Mayu, Starlight Kid is going to go to a time limit draw. Agreed. Oh. 100% wow. agree with that. So that means, folks, in four minutes, Mayu. <laughs> <laughs> by forfeit. Anywho, uh, Tam and Natsupoi, I'm going to say Natsupoi. Hazuki is going to beat Tora. I'm going to say, mm, just because I... So who I have in blue block, I don't know if I see Sherry going through. I'm going to say Amisori defeats Sherry because that's going to give Amisori a big rub going into the next night against Julia. Because the next night she's challenging Julia for the strong belt, right? So by that logic, you have Suzu Suzuki going through. Yeah, when we started, when we were getting ready to record this podcast, I kind of knew who I had in my head who uh, was going to be in the final. But I didn't know how they were going to go until you went. So, yeah, I mean, I, again, because, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I have Mina, I, I Mina going into the final. So Mina and Shuri would be a great final. But they're wrestling that UWF match on the ninth. Now, would I off at two Mina versus Sherry matches in, in about nine days? Absolutely not. Especially ones would be, a, you know, straight up wrestling match, you know, in the final and the other one is UWF rules, but I don't think they're going to book that back to back. I think it's going to be Suzu Suzuki going through and I think Amisori defeating Sherry on Saturday is going to give her a bigger rub going into that match with Julia for uh, the New Japan Strong Championship just to build Amisori a little bit up. So, that's what I have going on in red. In blue, I'm going to say uh, Mirai and Micah go to the old TLD. So we'll have two of them on this show. Azumi and Momo, I'm really not sure of. That's going to be a great match. I'm going to say Azumi takes it, but that one's a tricky one. Han and Mariah May, uh, when we looked at this about, you know, when you're kind of looking at what's coming up in the next four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, that'll be a good match, but it's kind of get lost in the shuffle of all this great wrestling. The fact that, like, Mariah May has gone and made all this entertainment with her and Hanan. It's going to make that match just so much more interesting. Like, good on Mariah May and Hanan as well um, to uh, to really build up what is might be a match that when we look back on this tournament three months from now, may get lost in the shuffle. I think it's going to be a great match, but with Mariah May dipping out of stardom, at least for a little bit, I think this is the perfect opportunity to get Hanan a big win on one of the biggest shows of the year. Uh, Mina Shirakawa, Sayoriano. It's going to be absolutely fantastic, but I see Mina getting the win there. Rob, I have Mina and Suzu Suzuki in the finals with Mina Shirakawa winning the five-star final. Now, do I think that was the original idea they had going into this? No. I really, really think it was supposed to be Utami and Sayakamatani. Obviously, they, have, they had a pivot. And if your pivot is Mina versus Suzu Suzuki, I think it's a pretty goddamn good pivot. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's strong. I think that's... Um, 
I'd, I'd be surprised if Suzu gets through, but I completely understand your logic. Um, I mean, if we're going to go through, I I have no idea what's going to happen in red block. In terms of blue block, I, I do think Mina will go through. Um, I think Micah and Mirai will probably go to a draw. Um, and I think Mina will win with Julia pretty much eliminated, you know, all but mathematically by this point anyway. But red block, I mean, Tor is getting a championship shot on October 9th anyway. So you can guess that Hazuki is going to beat her there, give her that final rub in the tournament, which leaves Suzu, Tam, and Suri. The chances are we are going to get Mina versus Tam if Mina wins the tournament. We're getting that at Dream Queendom 3. If that happens, I assume, by the way, that Dream Queendom is going to be announced at the five-star final. That's what I assume. Because um, they always announce the big pay-per-view. We haven't had the big pay-per-view announcement for November yet. We haven't had the big pay-per-view announcement for December yet. Um, but we know that New Japan and Stardom have got that joint business strategy meeting that's going to stream on YouTube on October 12th. We may well have historic crossover electric boogaloo um, airing then. Who knows? But I assume the December pay-per-view is going to be announced at the five-star finals. Um, but to be honest, I'm just stalling because I've got no idea what we're doing. Um, who do you have? Who do you have? Yeah, the, who, who, who do you think your pick is? I don't know. I'm literally going through <laughs> it now. That's what I mean. Oh, that's what you're stalling for. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Suri, they're not going to run Suri and Mina back twice in two weeks. Um, unless... Oh, they couldn't, could they? Could they have Tam win the tournament? Oh my goodness! I didn't even. Mina? I didn't even look at that like that. It's a possibility because we talked about it, didn't we, last week about how if Tam wins, she's no champion has ever won the five star Grand Prix. A champion has won the G one Climax, I think, twice. It's a different tournament. I think Kenski. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 <laughs> no. Um, and I think Kenski Sasaki was the last person to do it, and he chose his opponent. And I do like the idea when we talked about it last week of Tam winning and choosing Mayu as her opponent to finally surpass Mayu. And if Mina gets to the final and loses to Tam again, and then we run it back to whatever the March big show is going to be in 2024 and have Mina take the red belt then? Or... I think we mentioned this before, Rob. What if Mina beats? Because Mina, Mariah's wrestling pretty much. They're teasing everybody she's lost to in the five-star. I still think the general plan was for Mina to take the white belt off Mariah at Dream Queendom and then go on that run. And what if she beats Tam? What if Tam's like, hey, I beat you for the white belt before. I don't have the red belt anymore because they can still do Utami. If that was the general idea, Utami, hopefully she's healed up by then. We build her up and then that match happens. Uh, you know, either at the end of the year, Dream Queendom, or you can do it, you know, years ago, the big show was the anniversary show. You can do it there. Mm -hmm. And then Tam saying, I don't have the red belt anymore. But uh, Mina, I beat you for the for for that that white belt. I want to challenge again. And then, you know, maybe Mina, uh, or Tam puts Mina over or maybe they do it like two nights, like how they did in 2022. And the main event of maybe night one is for the Wonder Belt with Mina getting a main event win over Tam. Again, brother, we just wrote about 10 scenarios. In my opinion, they're all great, and they're all going to draw money. 
do you know what I'm going for it? So this tournament has been wild from the very stuff from the very first night. Um, they've had to book themselves out of corners on multiple occasions with the injuries to Sire and Utami. So why not? Why not make this the first tournament where the champion wins the tournament and calls out her own challenger? I think you could do a lot of good here. You can further the storyline between Tam and Mina. Um, you can then have Tam finally sort of put to bed the demons of not being able to beat Mayu by having her retain at Dream Queendom, which will be the first World of Stardom retention at Dream Queendom. Um, by the way, on the undercard, absolutely have Hazuki beating Mariah for the white belt, but that's just for me. Um, and then whatever that big show is in March, whether it's a Budokan, whether it's another sumo hall, whether it's Yokohama Arena, whatever that big show is going to be, have Mina and Tam on top and have Mina beat Tam. In fact, have Mina win the Cinderella and beat Tam for the red belt. That's what I would do. That's how I'd book that little that little thing, um, which probably means that Tora's going to win. But <laughs> that is what I think is going to happen. In a very com- It's simply because I can't see what they're going to do with Red Block, I, I know they're going to strap a rocket to Suzu. I really do. I just don't think it's this year that they're going to do it. Um, Just because there's no real story there for Suzu. Whereas there is story for certain other people. It's, the, it's why I haven't chosen Micah to win the tournament. Even though I want nothing more than for Micah to make it through to the final, I'd have loved the Micah and Hazuki final, just really highlight just how good those two are, two Fukuoka natives. But I think he can do something really weird and out there with Tam and really build even more this storyline of Mina not being able to get the job done and inadvertently mirror what Tam is going through with Mayu. I think that would be really cool. Whether that happens or not, don't know. But uh, that's... <laughs> who knows? Who the hell knows? But there we go, ladies and gentlemen. That is our little preview of the final. September the 30th, 2023. Yokohama Budokan. Live on pay-per-view. Um, go and check out we are we underscore r underscore stardom on Twitter. They will have the link up in the next couple of days, I imagine, because it's three days away, unless it's already on their Twitter page. It tends to be Thursday they get the link up for the pay-per-view, so keep your eyes peeled on the social medias to uh, to basically go and buy your pay-per-view, because if you're going to buy a pay-per-view from Stardom this year, it's got to be the final of this tournament, because Christ alive. Um, moving on then a little bit, let's have a look and preview some of the cards coming up. Before... Um, the five-star final in two days as we record on the 29th. We have the next New Blood installment. We did talk a little bit about this before, but I'm just going to whip through this card again. Um, We've got three-way Hina versus Kazuna Tanaka versus Hanako. Singles match Lady C versus Ruaka. A three-way sexy dynamite princess versus Waka Sukiyama versus Tekla. Um, a passion injection match, Meisera versus Nanai Takahashi. The Cosmic Angels membership assessment, Yuna Mizumori versus Tam Nakano. And then two title matches to close us out. The Future of Stardom Championship, Rina the Champion versus Just Tap Out's Azusa Inaba. 
And then at the top of the card at the moment in the running order is the New Blood Tag Team Championship three-way. Karma and Starlight get the champions versus Wingori, Hanan and Sayida, an O2 line in Mio Amasaki and Azumi. Um, let's sort of look at these four main matches at the top of the card, Matt. The Passion Injection match, Meiseira versus Nanai Takahashi. Now, uh, ordinarily, I would say I want Meiseira winning this every single day of the week. However, Nanai's best work since she returned to stardom has been these passion injection matches. You know, she's got over Sayurida. She's I say got over, like Sayurida needed help, but she's really put over, sorry, Sayurida. She's put over Lady C. She's put over Ruaka. She's put over Waka Sukiyama. And I think she'll do the same with May Seira. I just don't see Maysera winning, do you? No, not at all, but it'd be a really, really good match. And considering the fact a lot of these passion injection matches are really hard hitting, you know, Lady C, Miyu Amasaki, Starlight Ken, obviously Saida, the fact that Maysera is more of a technical wrestler that uh, uses the high speed, um, the fact that uh, there's going to be a lot more focusing, at least for me when I'm watching this match, to see how she's going to be able to stand with an absolute bruiser and killer like Nanai Takahashi, really uh, makes this match interesting for me. Yeah, and we know that Nanai Takahashi is more than capable of hanging with the the high-speed sort of style because we saw it in a match with Starlight Kid, um, which was another really, really, really good match in this series of uh, Passion Injection matches. I'm perfectly fine with Nanai giving the rub to these youngsters. Beating them, fine, don't care. That's absolutely fine. If Nanai you know, carries on winning, fine, but giving them the rub in these matches, pulling them to their respective best singles matches in most cases, you know, with Starlight Kid being the huge outlier there. I think it's it's a really good use for her. Um, and plus, knowing what we know about Nanai from uh, from Awesome Kong, about how she, she is granular in the detail of matches and wants to go through matches afterwards, I think that can be a huge benefit to... Uh, to lower card wrestlers such as Sayurida, Lady C, and Ruaka. Um, hey, a quick, quick plug for all you new listeners. First of all, hello. Yes, we interviewed Awesome Kong. Uh, go back and uh, give it a listen. Yeah, honestly, the loveliest person I've ever spoken to. She was so nice. Um, on a, on a what was it? An eight hour drive from Wisconsin. She was. Yeah. And uh, yeah, was she was lovely. Answered everything we wanted. Was really cool. Um, Cosmic Angels membership assessment. Yuna Mizumori versus Tam. Now, we did expect Yuna Mizumori to beat Natsupoi on the previous New Blood show, um, but apparently um, that wasn't the case. Surely, after this diabolical, really, weight storyline, which it, I'm sure it wasn't supposed to come across the way it has, but it's come across in a little bit of poor taste, to be honest. Yuna has to win this, surely. Either Yuna has to win this or push Tam to the time limit. Now, I know that, obviously, it's a little bit difficult with Tam being the world of stardom champion. So let this go to a time limit draw and have Yuna push Tam all the way and then Tam say, look, you push me like not many people in this company can. Come here, join our Cosmic Angels group, and then they do that weird thumb thing. I I think that's perfect because if Yuna loses again, it just seems a little bit pointless. I see your point, and I agree with you on one half, but I think with Tam being the World of Stardom champion, and on the next night she can qualify to win the five-star Grand Prix, I think Tam wins, and then because Yuna gave her such a good showing, she invites Yuna back, Yuna into the group, 
that puts a little more of a sparkle on Tam, considering the fact that, you know, how kind of the storyline went a little sideways with the weight loss thing, which we covered before. And I don't want to get into it again. I think that's going to, you know, give show Tam face like, hey, I gave you a shot against not support. You lost. I gave you I gave you a second opportunity against me. You lost. But I tell you what, you showed fire. You're one of the most improved wrestlers in all of wrestling. You know, we want you in Cosmic Angels. Then I think the funny thing would be either for her to be like, nah, I'm good. And join, uh, Mer- join Mina in Club Venus. So, but I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> I, I love the fact that you've said um, that obviously Tam can go on the next night. I, I honestly don't think there is a huge crossover of people that are going to be watching um, New Blood and going, oh, she's been buried. The world of stardom champion. She's been buried. Um, I think she'll probably be fine. But even so. You're probably right. Um, Rina versus Azusa in Naba for the future of Stardom Championship. This is Rina, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's going to be really good because uh, Azusa in has only been wrestling well, maybe a little over a year. Was she 14, 15 years old? So, so the fact that Rina at like 16, 17 years old is the vet in this match by like a year or two, you know, it goes to show you. But yeah, this is going to be really good. This might steal the entire show. Um, uh, then again, no, I think that main event. I think the main event may go down as one of the best New Blood matches um you know on all the new blood shows because uh yeah this uh future starter match is going to be excellent it's gonna be great showcase for the younger and sister but uh yeah this main event brother oh boy oh boy and yeah it's it's the main event that i am very very excited for three-way dance for the new blood tag team championships karma and starlight kid hanan and sayuri and mia wamasaki and azumi um what <laughs> Before I give my pick as to who I think should win it, and I believe it's probably going to be the same people as uh, as you think are going to win it, what do you think of how the titles have been sort of portrayed on Starlight Kid and Karma? Well, Starlight Kid does a good job on a lot of these shows bringing the championship belt down, but it's not being defended. And the fact that uh, neither Karma or uh, Yumasaki are on the shows, it's kind of like, wait, wait, what's that? So they've only had, you know, I think maybe one or two title defenses. So again, I think we've had one. yeah, I think it was what the what uh, Lady C was it? No, it was the, I guess the Nave sisters. That was which was a great match. So obviously they're going to put on banger matches, but they're only defending these belts at New Blood shows. Um, I, why not on these kind of quote unquote road to shows that they do have them? You know, just put a little make it you know make it a little sparkly for Stardom World and for selling tickets. Why not have you know New Blood cha- a tag team championship match on one of these? stardom shows i think that would be something cool that uh that they could do but it looks like they're only going to be defended at least now on these new blood shows so uh, i guess it's really no fault on them that you know how they're being portrayed as champions obviously they're both great the tournament that they won the belts was great against the novice sisters that match was terrific but this match would be an absolute banger absolute banger but I'll, I'll give my pick my pick is that uh starlight kid and uh karma retained the tag championships boy as much as i love azumi you know i do as a fan, Rob, you know I'm pulling for Wing Gory. You know I'm pulling for Wing. And I will literally, I might be more excited if Saeeda walks out of this weekend with the championship belt than I would if Tam, as the World of Stardom champion, wins the five star. <laughs> well, I'm game Wing Gory. Oh! Um, I am full Wing Gory forever. I mean, look, <laughs> Starlight and Karma was sort of. They couldn't win, really, with Karma and Haruka Rumasaki. I mean, Karma hasn't appeared on a single stardom show. She's, you know, she seems to be like a New Blood exclusive. Um, 
which is fine, absolutely fine. But when you've got Starlight Kid coming out with the belt and then Karma not coming out with the other belt because she's not there and neither is her alter ego and then Starlight Kid sometimes doesn't come out with the belt, I think it would be a better image for a team to come out with the belt and a team that is regularly on stardom programming just because it elevates the belt a little bit more, just seeing it on programming. And Wingori would be the perfect tag team to put them on. They're a team that in that lower mid card, which makes perfect sense for them. And you're absolutely right, Matt. That way then you can actually get, you know, a Hanan and Sayurida versus a Lady C and a Miyu Amasaki or, you know, Hanan and Sayurida versus... Um, Inaba and Amisori or whatever and give you know these little Corican shows a a title match to put on there and you know it'd bang you know it'd be fantastic because of who it's on plus give Sayurida a belt she bloody deserves it um I think this is the perfect opportunity to do that because ultimately Matt if you give Starlight Kid and Karma the retention which you know again be a fantastic match I'm sure who is going to beat them? Who is left to beat Starlight Kid and Karma from these road from these uh, New Blood shows? Because I'm looking up and down the card, really, and unless you partner Wacker with someone, maybe. Um, I mean, obviously, the obviously we'd have Sexy Dynamite Princess win them on her own and then hold them for five thousand days. But I've heard rumors that uh, she may disappear after this match. Um it's not going to be Ruwaka because she's in a weather tie. I don't know. I just, I feel like it would, it would make sense for Wingori to pick up the belts here, especially if uh, the future of stardom championship is going to uh, stay with Rina just makes, makes sense to me. And I can dream match. I can dream. Um, the October Corican show, which is um, imaginatively called stardom in Corican 2023, October. Has only got three matches announced, so I'll just quickly whip through these. Uh, Azumi's 10th anniversary match, which is going to be Azumi versus Mayu Iwatani. Now, just, oh my God. that's that. Honestly, that will be one of those matches that we th- forget about at the end of the year, but could quite easily be singles match of the year in Stardom Cast end of year awards. So keep your eye on on that. Um, we've then got a World of Stardom title prelude eight-woman tag with uh, the Cosmic Angels team, maybe if Yuna Mizumori gets her win over Tam. Tam, Yuna Mizumori, Natsupoi, Sioriano versus the Iwanatai team of Tora, Rina, Ruaka, and Fukikin Death. And then, of course, on top of the card is the strong women's title match, which was um, made official um, earlier this week between the champion Julia and the challenger Amisori. Very, very quickly, Matt. Um, I assume we both think that Julia is retaining against Ami. Yes, sir. But it's going to be a great match. Oh, it is. And I really hope that Ami is able to really excel in that, especially if it goes on last. If it goes on last and they give Ami that main event in front of a, a big Corican crowd, because the last couple stardom have drawn big houses at Corican, I think it'll be brilliant. I think it'll be perfect. Even if she gets absolute, even if she loses. Okay, really, really put over how strong she is. Um, real, real quick, though, Julia does a great job picking somebody like on the middle of the card and, and bringing them up. And I have no doubt she's going to do that with Ami. Sorry, here. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Um, Cosmic Angels versus Oweratai. I don't think it particularly matters who wins this as long as Tora is made to look incredibly strong. Um, even if Cosmic Angels win via DQ, which is probably what I think is going to happen. 
I think Tora gets a win here. Uh, just to, I mean, either or it can go that way. Maybe it is a DQ. Mm. And the lasting impression is Tora really uh, brutalizing Tam with the pipe and then kind of just holding the red belt up that, uh, you know, it's kind of like there's your preview going into the next week for the championship match. So either one can go well. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Tora's going to look good here. She's going to look dominant here. And I think it'll end with heat on Tam with Tor basically standing o- over on top of her, basically cutting a promo as kind of like your last-ditch effort to sell tickets and pay-per-views. You do have someone ready-made for taking the pinfall, unfortunately, in Yuna. So, yeah. If you're going to have anyone pin, then have Tora pin uh, pin Yuna with the Swanton. And then it does not matter who wins in Azumi versus Mayu because we win as the crowd because this is going to be stellar. I cannot wait for this match. But for the sake of the podcast, Matt, who do you think is winning, Azumi or Mayu? ELD, brother. I'm going to say time limits are on this one. I hope so because it means we've got 15 minutes of watching this. Um... Uh, it does just say several other matches. I assume because of the Utami injury, they've had to rejig the card. It pretty much does eradicate any possibility of any of the big stars going over to AEW for Wrestle Dream, um, which I think was pretty much a given anyway. Um, and obviously that will be made official over the next couple of days on Dynamite and uh, and Rampage on Friday and on Wednesday and Friday. So, but otherwise, I don't see Stardom talent turning up at that show. But otherwise, Matt, I think in uh, just under two and a half hours, we are done. Uh, unless you've got anything else you'd like to add. Always a pleasure chatting with you, brother. And uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to the myriad of shows this week. So busy to the point where I had to take half days and days off work to get caught up. Like I said yesterday, some people take time off work to go to the beach. I take time off to work to watch wrestling, brother. I am a true blue hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it's going to be a busy weekend, but busy in the best possible way. Before we do anything, Matt, I hope Lily has the best birthday. I'll be asking all about it, and I'm sure you will be a stressed yet very, very pleased father when we record on Tuesday. Um, uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening, guys. Thank you to all of our patrons for subscribing. Your support is absolutely everything um you can subscribe to our patreon www.patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast where you can get all sorts of bonus and additional content over a hundred bonus episodes on there for you to listen to from as little as three dollars a month um if you want to if you want to support us but haven't got the money to join patreon or don't want to join patreon that's absolutely fine you could give us a five-star review on um apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast a comment is worth its waiting gold because it helps us to ascend the podcast ratings and helps us be exposed to more people and help us to spread the word of stardom and joshi to even more people um you can check out our um uh, social medias at the stardom cast subscribe to the youtube channel um at the stardom cast as well um subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already that'll be lovely um and you can talk to me on twitter at at real rob goodwin matt turner sign us off good sir and let's let these people get on with their day absolutely folks uh two very important things before i give my plugs first of all Make sure you're in, you're being safe and you're enjoying all the fantastic wrestling this week. And just as important, if not more important, is bye, boy. If you guys want to get a hold, <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. <laughs> you guys want to get a hold of me? Questions, comments? Uh, you want to talk about the five star final? Matt Turner, OF on the Instagram, the Twitter, and 
the TikTok, which I'm still trying to figure out. Um, I know a lot of you fantastic, wonderful people usually chat with me as these stardom pay-per-views are going on live in the wee hours of the morning. I am going to be away at Catch Wrestling Camp this weekend, so I'm not sure how much of the five-star final I'm going to be able to see. It might literally be be uh, be cutting it close to the final. So if anybody tweets at me or asks me for something and I don't get back to you, that's the reason why, is I will be away this weekend getting my body stretched 10 ways this Sunday and will love every single uh, second of it because, uh, yeah, that's that, that, that's what I do, sir. That's what I do. Uh, again, folks, we cannot say thank you enough for the fantastic support. It really means the world to us. Like I always say, it's just not my podcast. It's our podcast because we're all this together and everybody's different. Everybody's special. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.